0: Worlds, not happening in China anymore, it doesn't look like. C9 does take the last world spot, and TL is going to the finals. Uh, lots of stuff to talk about this week. Blue Jay and JNT250, episode 56 of the Clown Fiesta podcast. Let's start it now. JNT, uh, we got to start with C9TSM. The series was insanely intense, and of course it went five games, because why wouldn't it? L- let's jump in there. Any initial thoughts on this series?
1: You know, it was funny because after watching the series, it felt like to me that neither team was playing that insane. But after reading all of the like, post-game stuff on Twitter where like people were giving their opinions and like kind of recapping the match, it seemed like everybody thought that TSM was playing really, really well. And I feel like that, that just surprised me because like, it didn't feel like TSM were doing anything special. They were just playing the TSM style. And so everything that I saw on Twitter was saying TSM was playing really insane and that's props to Cloud9 for beating them. And I was like, mm. I
0: agree. I was like <laughs> it just
1: felt like TSM played their normal game and then Cloud9 beat them 3 of the 5 games.
0: I think that there was a lot of good and a lot of bad for both teams. So initially at the start of the series, I thought, wow, like these teams look really bad, but as the series went on, I gained more of an appreciation for how they were playing, but I am totally in agreement with you. That I didn't think this was that well of a played series. I thought, like I said, lots of good, lots of bad. And so, I mean, and from both sides. And that's how you usually have a game, a series go, go five games, right? So, yeah, I, I actually was kind of surprised as well because I've heard a lot of people say that they thought the series was really well played as well. And I'm not trying to be all negative. I just, I was surprised. I, I was like, oh, oh, okay. Maybe I, I... this is like world's hopium. People are, you know, they start to build up the hope for worlds and, and there, there's just a bunch of excitement there. Maybe that's what it's all about. But uh, anyways, let's get into the games. Where do you want to start with that?
1: Well, I just, real like, I thought it was played very well from a macro standpoint. But in terms of, like, a micro standpoint of team fighting, execution of plays, um, some, like, specific spots in lane, I felt like that was where a lot of the mistakes were being made. But in terms of, of like the overall decision making, I thought that was like really, really peak and I think what made the series super entertaining were were all these various games with crazy Baron and dragging Baron and Dragon plays with people making cross, p- cross play maps in an attempt to like slow down a play or drag people across the map. So I thought it was a really great series from that standpoint, but in terms of like lane setups and ganks and like some aspects of team fighting is where it kind of like fell a bit flat for me. But you know those crazy decisions that are being made like game to game with teleports into bases and starting up uh, major objectives down members like that's what makes a series super exciting.
0: Yeah I I totally agree with that and so I guess for me I'll start by saying that I thought both of these teams played very similar to how they played in Summer. So I'll I'll start with TSM saying I've said for a long time now that I don't think they're very proactive. I heard someone on Hotline League tonight say that they were really happy with how aggro TSM played, and I'm like, what TSM are you watching? I I don't know. Like, I don't think they're... I think they're very reactionary. Um, But what I will say is that that's something I don't think I gave TSM enough credit for is that they are good at playing reactionary, and one of the very first plays of the series where Perks uses his Rise Ultimate to go to the bot lane, TSM just turns on them and just kills them. I thought that was a good example of where there's a lot of good that can come from being a good reaction-based team. I still don't think you should play that way, and I think that if they were to go to Worlds, they would still get smacked like last year. But I can't take away that being able to react to plays is definitely a skill that you can't overlook, and I think that that's something TSM does really well, even if I think they should be more proactive in their gameplay.
1: Yeah, I think with TSM, like this whole series was fairly bread and butter for them. And I think the only times that they really strayed away from that were the games that they looked really terrible in. Like, I thought TSM in games one, two, and three actually played a pretty good game for the most part. It's because Lee Sin in game one and game three was absolutely insane. I think, you know, we can all agree that that champion has become really strong due to a byproduct of items and runes and whatnot, like Gordrink or Stairax with Conqueror is just like absolutely bonkers. You play Mm -hmm. that with like Lee Sin or Zin Zhao and you just dash in and you're you're able to like full tank a team for like five seconds and then add on that with a stopwatch. But I thought that TSM's first three games for the most part were really, really good with Spika controlling the early game. And like you just mentioned, punishing the Cloud9 plays, which is like the TSM special. They play reactive. they They play it very by the books and they punish their opponent's missteps. And that's pretty much what I thought. That's what I felt like I was getting in those first three games i was super super surprised to see the like shift in play style and kind of like drafting that they did in games four and five i thought game four putting sword art on like a non-playmaking champion in braum was like a super like question mark for me and then obviously their game five draft i think everybody can agree was like super super weird with them first picking rise for power of evil and with like the the blind pick nocturne top at the end it just felt like I think TSM would have had a, a much better chance to win this series if they just continued to play their style, and the times that they strayed away from it, they struggled, and it was like pretty obvious.
0: I just thought of this now, but do you remember what I said going into the draft of... Because we were watching this together. Do you remember the, what I said going into the draft of Game 5 no. about TSM? I literally said, I said this out loud, I said... TSM is going to draft something really bad and they're going to get flamed for it after this game is over. And then I I mean I just realized now that that's actually the case that people are really unhappy with the Nocturne pick. I don't think it's that bad. I think that when you're losing things can look a lot worse. Like there's you only see one game, right? But maybe if you play that game 100 times, maybe it's a 50-50 and of course that's just like uh arbitrary numbers here but what i'm saying is there's a lot of times that a nocturne can look really really good and by turning off the lights it can really swing team fights in your advantage so i don't i didn't think the pick was that bad um but i I guess a lot of tsm fans certainly did and I uh, I, i also think that with how the game went and the gwen getting really out of hand it makes the nocturne pick look a lot worse and i think the gwen got out of hand from a team fight uh not from lane against nocturne
1: I just think the problem was not the pick itself, but was like the decision-making to pick it with the rise mid. I feel like when you're picking Nocturne top like this, you need to have some sort of playmaking champ in the mid lane. Nocturne sort of used to be that champion that would go mid, but after the nerfs, it it seemed to really only be viable in top and jungle. And obviously it's not as strong as it once was because of those repeated nerfs, but it feels like you need some sort of playmaking mid that has the ability to either push and roam or get control of the lane, because while Rise does have very good wave clear, it still can't match like the early dominance of an Irelia in a lane, and it just felt like Hooney was literally stuck on an island top lane, and Fudge was just doing exactly what he needed to do: scale up on the Gwen, not engage the Nocturne, and once he reached a certain point, was just able to like put the pressure on him for the whole game. So uh, like while I don't, while I agree that the Nocturne pick was not the best pick. It just felt like it didn't fit within the team comp to begin with because you need to be able to play around it to a certain degree. And when you're losing the mid pressure so hard because of the matchup, it just, like, exposed it. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, and and like I was saying, to me, the thing that got the Gwen out of hand was there was the one team fight that Fudge TP'd to. And the reason why Gwen got so out of hand is because... He actually joined the fight after both teams had pretty much blown everything. The The fight was initiated by TSM. C9 peeled it off really well, and then Fudge showed up. And a Gwen that can just go you know, go ham once everyone's used all of their cooldowns is really going to shine. And I think that's one of the reasons why people thought that the Gwen was so much better than the Nocturne. Maybe And maybe the laning phase isn't so great for a Nocturne because Gwen is kind of free farming. I just don't think that the laning phase had anything to do with the picks. Um, I I want to talk about perks though. I want to get your opinion on did we see playoff perks? Yes or no? <laughs>
1: uh, kinda. I thought perks had a he had a solid series. I I don't think it was great. I don't think it was bad. I think obviously in the games where Cloud Nine seemed to struggle, uh, pretty heavily in games one and game three. I, I thought game one was obviously just a terrible game, but I think game three that first Irelly game was just more of, like, a kind of what I was saying before, like a mis-execution of, like, stuff that you shouldn't really happen. And it was, like, well, it was pretty surprising to see them go back to it again in Game 5, but, you know, looking back on it, like, he has that confidence where he fucked up on this champion so horribly in Game 3 to then pick it in your Game 5 deciding game and then, like, absolutely smash on it. So I think his sort of mentality is there, but his, like, fingers still need to catch up a little bit.
0: Yeah. So when I said at the start of this topic that we saw a lot of good and a lot of bad, Perks is the first guy that comes to mind because I thought his macro play was great. Like when we saw the rise, TPing to get the inhibitor while while they're fighting over Elder. And then we saw a lot of bad. He, in game three, he couldn't land an Aurelia ult to save his life. Game one, I thought he was the worst player on the rift. I thought he just hard creeped that game one. And, and then, yeah, we saw a lot of clutch plays in game five. His Aurelia actually looks so much better. A lot of stuns with his E. And so like, you saw everything from perks. And and so that's why to me, it's like, it's not an easy thing to say whether we saw or didn't see uh, playoff perks. And so I just thought it would be interesting to ask
1: you. Well, I mean, playoffs aren't over yet. It's still possible.
0: Yeah, I it, my short answer is no, I don't think we've seen Playoff Perks, because I think Playoff Perks is more consistent than what we've seen. We saw some really good plays from him, but we saw some really bad, and to me, that's not what Playoff Perks is. But definitely some interesting stuff coming from watching Cloud9's games, no matter what. Um, a couple guys that I want to highlight for TSM that I thought had good series were PoE and Lost, actually. I thought Lost had a really good series, and I think that he was one of the weaker players tsm had throughout the year um but i thought he looked great and i i i thought it was really unfortunate that we're starting to see lost look really good and then tsm gets eliminated i thought that was just really unfortunate but one of the plays i want to highlight is the play well a couple of plays actually the one where tsm loses three of their members and lost and poe stay on the elder drake just knowing that blabber didn't have smite i guess someone must have tracked it and they they took the elder i thought that was really insightful for them to say no we're staying on this elder and then the other one where they get stuck in the dragon pit and they just fight their way out. Where PoE flashes out, he does the shockwave play, and Lost follows it up with the with the Varus arrow. Two really, really clutch players from those guys. And so I guess the synergy that they have I thought was really, really good. And I thought I needed to shout that out.
1: Yeah, I thought, I I've, I've, I think I've been saying this for the last couple of weeks, but I think TSM's bot lane's actually been kind of underrated for a lot of the summer split. I thought Lost had a great series. He like pretty much almost single-handedly carried that second game, or like yeah he almost did, after making like so many clutch plays in team fights by flashing and getting big DPS uh on carries in these important fights. Ultimately wasn't enough, but yeah I th- I thought Lost had a really great series. I like I said in game four wasn't really too happy with the the Ash Brom bot lane, especially with this uh Shieldbow Wits end build that we're kind of seeing more and more and the more and more I see it I feel like the worse that it actually is we're seeing like shield bow wit's end on champions like Ash champions like Tristana I think the only one it's viable on is Callista. but I really I, I don't want to see this this wit's end uh, shield bow build anymore
0: Medios loves Ash man oh, he can't loves that champ <laughs> 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 seeing him flame Ash the whole series was actually so funny that guy's great yeah, but like uh, on,
1: on the flip side to that, like I'm kind of in more of like double if camp they're like, yeah, Ash isn't a great pick, but it's just actually trash bag if you build no damage. Like I feel like you need Kraken Slayer on this champion to be dealing any damage.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I mean I, I don't really have a strong opinion on that myself. I don't remember the last time I played eighty carry. Um so my strength on eighty carry items is not my forte. Uh, one thing I will say, so I did actually mention that I thought Fudge looked really good on the Gwen, but I did not think Fudge looked good on the Nar. A lot of trouble timing his Gnar bar, which is one of the biggest skills to have with a Nar, is to try to be able to predict when you're going to need Mega Gnar for a fight. And it just seemed like his timing was a little bit off throughout the series. So many fights would happen before he could build it up, or he would build it up too early and then the fight would break out afterwards without him being able to get an engage while he was Mega Gnar. So just... A little bit of criticism for for him on that, but otherwise I thought he had a pretty good series, and I thought Zven had a good series as well. Specifically, the Jin game, he was kind of popping off. I think it was game four, um, and so wanted to give him props for that.
1: Yeah, I, to me, Zven is pretty much the only Cloud9 player that I think is like at 100 percent or near their spring split form. Yeah, I think Blabber and Vulcan are close, but not there yet, um, and I still think. Perks still has a bit of a way to go. Um, but for me, I, I think Fudge, it feels like we keep saying it every week. Like he's Cloud9's best player at the moment. I don't think we would still be saying this um, four or five weeks ago because I think everybody thought that Perks and Blabber were really going to turn it up. Uh, I think Blabber has done a little bit, Perks not so much. But, but Fudge is just proving more and more about himself throughout this LCS season. I think. Blabber! Should uh, sh- should Cloud9 make the finals and-, and face off against Team Liquid again? I think that rematch against AlFari is going to be very, very interesting because we kind of saw in the earlier matchup between C9 and Team Liquid, I think for the most part, when top lane was left on an island, it was even, but we kind of did see a more top lane focused approach out of Team Liquid and a, a-, a weirdly like non-top side focused approach from Cloud9 in that series.
0: Yeah, Blaber hasn't really impressed me, to be quite honest. He, I guess he did in Game 5, which took quite a while, because I didn't think he was having that great of a series, so I'm a little bit more cold on Blaber than you are by the sounds of things. Uh, I It was his first Diana game, I'm not sure exactly which game it was, but it reminded me a lot of Svenskeren, running around, not really getting any farm advantages, not really getting any ganks, nothing really working for him that i it felt a lot like watching Svenskeren, and I was pretty vocal last week or the week before that Svenskeren hasn't really been doing much of anything, and that worries me for blabber because he is a guy that you used to always be able to rely on to make something good happen and and he was always generally pretty calculated, like yes, he was brain off going in, but would probably win those all in seventy five percent of the time, whereas now it feels like a total flip, and there's sometimes where he's just being over aggressive and engaging where he has no business over engaging and so i'm I'm a little bit hesitant on on blabber at the moment i'm not uh I'm not too excited with his gameplay. I'll have to wait and see some more i i suppose
1: yeah it just it did feel like for me in this series that that cloud nine did sort of have to tone it back because they're not still like one hundred percent coordinated with all of the early game engages. We did see in the two games where they did end up losing pretty hard in games one and game three the the Good portion of the game was just decided by some bad early game fights. Um, in, in game one, it was that realm warp play bottom that I think was not a insane, not like a great play to begin with. Uh, especially you know when realm warp is such an obvious uh, an obvious play, and it's very obvious how to play around it. And then in that game three, you saw a bunch of these top lane skirmishes just not go cloud nine's way whatsoever, uh, with blabber either diving in too early or not having proper follow up on his team. But when Cloud9 kind of did rein it back and play for more of a macro-oriented style, you could actually see that they were kind of like out TSMing TSM. Because TSM is, I've always thought, been one of the best teams in the league at playing a slow game, playing a controlled game, and playing the map better than the other team. And it felt like, in terms of that aspect, Cloud9 was actually better than them. And to me, that's what won them the series. Because what I thought originally was going to be, you know, Cloud9's way to win the series was with early game aggression. And you could kind of see... When those plays work, weren't working out for them, they reverted back to okay, like let's just like actually play, let's let's play smart and try to win through macro. And I think that was the most impressive thing I saw out of Cloud Nine was was beating one of the best macro teams in the league.
0: Yeah. So I, I just have a couple more thoughts on this series. One of them being, uh game five looked really lopsided, and, and by goal difference it absolutely was. Like, don't get me wrong, Cloud Nine kind of smacked them, but I don't have any criticism for how TSM tried to get back into Game 5. So they lost some team fights and fell behind. Cloud9 went to Baron, and TSM tried to punish it by TPing in and taking another fight right after. I thought that that was the right thing to do for TSM, because you have Cloud9 hitting Baron, where they're like half HP. I think that is your best chance to win a fight and get back in the game, rather than let C9 take Baron, let them base and reset, and just slowly bleed you out of the game. And I think there was a lot of criticism towards TSM for trying to TP in and take more fights. The fight didn't go their way, and ultimately C9 was able to fight their way out. But I I just thought that TSM did the right thing when behind, and sometimes doing the right thing when you're behind doesn't give you the results you want. And so I just thought that even though TSM lost Game 5, I thought as the game went on, they were still doing the right thing.
1: Yeah, I think think in a majority of scenarios it's probably correct to not try to fight Baron 2v4 and go for the dragon. However, in that specific game, like, they were losing side lanes horribly. Like, Nocturne was completely useless in the side lane against Gwen. Um, At this point into the game, you know, Ryze is a great side lane champion, but not when he's so far behind in comparison to Perkz's Irelia at that time. And if you just give over Baron to a team that has two insane uh, side lane champions with then a pretty conservative... Um, Three, uh, three mid lane specifically with Varus and Bram, like super hard disengage. Super can can play the range super super well. I just think it's it's just a it's just a losing play to give up Baron when you're going to lose both side lanes super hard and they have this extremely safe mid. But I think going for the Baron there is perfectly fine. Uh, yeah, it's it's a two v four, so you know your your, your percentage that that chance that that play is going to go your way is obviously very very low. But I think the percentage <laughs> the chance to win the game is even lower. If you give up the Baron.
0: Yeah, and I don't even think that the, the call is, guys, let's take a 2v4. It's Let's try to bait them into a prolonged fight so that we could get people to res and then join the fight and kind of clean it up as well. You don't want just a quick 2v4 fight. You want to you drag that fight out so that it lasts longer. Yeah, because also, uh,
1: I think that's exactly what it was because Huni had yeah. TP when he was spawning and also Sword Art right. died early on in the fight being support, being underleveled. Yeah. You, you get to res and run back quickly. And... They kind of did that, where they got Clownine to sort of get off the Baron initially, and they ended up killing one member, but then they were kind of in a 3v4 after Huni had TP'd in and Rel had joined, but like, again, they're just too far behind and, you know, it's a play that obviously looks pretty idiotic, uh, from like, like the, the naked eye. (laughs) but like when you really just take the game into consideration like what do you want them to do like lose Baron and get shit on through side lanes and just like roll over like I've always been very vocal like I would rather a team go out on their, go out like attempting to make a play and come back into the game than just like roll over and just like jack off and base
0: yeah that used to be CLG maybe it's still well no I don't think that still is CLG CLG just run it down now but anyways uh did you see how big that Baron power play was by the way
1: I didn't. It was probably like 8,000 gold or something.
0: 7,000 gold. Yeah,
1: because like... They, like <laughs>
0: That is a huge Baron power play. 7k. Anyways, that pretty much ended the series. My last thought on the series, and, and I tweeted this out, but I just think it's still relevant. I tweeted out that going into the series, the rivalry about C9 and TSM is going to be what's discussed. And then by the end of the series, you would see which team wasted X million dollars... And sure enough, I just saw my Twitter feed full of that. And I think it's 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 unfortunate, but I don't blame people for thinking that way because how can you ignore it, man? How can you ignore that a team, whether it would have been Perks or Sword Art, it was going to happen. How can you ignore that a team spends that much money and doesn't go to Worlds, right? So,
1: Yeah, either, whichever team lost was going to get flamed to infinity for yeah. uh, the money spent on their roster. But I think the funny thing is, is like, it's not like 100 Thieves and Team Liquid are like not spending on their rosters. Like, they also have very expensive rosters. But yeah. it's just that Cloud9 and Team Liquid are like the publicly known ones. Well, because... they got the
0: one player that's making bank. And, and maybe TL has some of that too. But for some reason, they managed to get by without those rumors getting out.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, like you got to think about it. Like You look at Team Liquid, I think it's pretty safe to assume that Alfari makes over a million dollars. We already know Jensen makes over a million dollars. I would also have to assume J makes over a yeah. million dollars and then they just signed Santorin at the start of 2021. So that's probably not a cheap contract. a
0: million too, honestly. And like tact- it.
1: Tactical probably doesn't get paid that much because he was like former academy player. And if you look at the Cloud9 side, I don't think Fudge makes a lot of money. I don't think Blabber makes a lot of money because he hasn't re-upped on a new contract. Zven um, probably doesn't make a ton because they probably got him for pennies on the dollar in comparison to his TSM contract after he played no. pretty badly. And Vulcan's probably semi-expensive so like uh, dude outside of perks like i don't think c9 is spending a ton on their roster they're obviously spending a ton on perks but i feel like and this is again this is just like my thoughts in looking at Mm -hmm. the team like 100 these rosters i don't think they're far behind in terms of spending but i think it just looks worse for both of tsm and c9 because it's like public knowledge
0: i i saw travis saying somewhere recently that it was c9 and, and tsm by a lot um but I can't find that now. I don't know where okay, it is. Okay, I
1: mean, even if that's the case, you know, still, uh, like, it, again, it's a lot, but it's not, like, it, it, if you were to ignore those and probably take a look at the hundred Thieves and Team Liquid numbers as well, like, it's probably a lot. Okay, not so in I, just,
0: I found the quote that, it was just in his Discord. He said, TSMC9 spending the most, I don't even think that's a big leak given the perks and sword art stuff. That's all he said. So he highlighted those two teams as spending the most. That doesn't mean that there's not someone close behind, to your point. So it it could be true. Could be. We don't know. Just make the damn things public already, right?
1: Come on. Yeah. I feel like it would give... (laughs) I feel like it would just give people a greater appreciation for some of the lower tier teams.
0: It would put more pressure on some of the upper players as well. But I think there's already plenty of pressure. And the rumors get out about the big contracts anyways. But that's a whole nother discussion. Do you want to go to TL100 or anything else on this series?
1: No, we'll, we'll move on to the Team Liquid series.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah, this one was another... Uh, this one was closer than I thought it was going to be. Uh-huh. I think I predicted TL30, if I remember right. Uh, I think you did too, and Thieves I said played 3-1. Pretty good. I, I think 100 Thieves played pretty good, honestly. Um, I think some of their macro needs to get better uh, to the point of... I think it was double lift, maybe it was Medios. They were saying that, like, TSM, or, excuse me, 100 Thieves isn't really doing much with their leads and forcing TL into taking fights that they don't want to take. So, I, and I think that is accurate. I think that they're very good at getting leads, but you need to do more with it. And when you're playing against a team like Team Liquid, they will punish you eventually if you don't do enough with it. And I think that's what we saw, and that's why it went to five games.
1: Yeah, I think for me... I think one of the main reasons why this did go to five games was because it just felt like Team Liquid was, like, playing a bunch of different styles. Like, I'm just, like, going back and looking at their drafts. Like, their first game, it's kind of a TL special. Like, Jace, Zinzao, Zhao, Syndra, Varus, Rel. Like, that's a game where they win. The game where they lose is they're playing the full melee comp with the Zigs and, like, set bottom, which is, like, especially terrible. That's a game they lose. Then they kind of go back to, like, the TL special. <laughs> Um, in yep. games 4 and 5 and it just felt like similar to TSM like when Team Liquid's playing what they should play they win and when they don't they I lose was wait-
0: <laughs> I was waiting for you to get to draft about TL but specifically game 5 do you know where I'm going with this
1: no Oh, Tom with the Tom Kench? Support. Well, like, uh, that, that game didn't even matter, like, because the game was just over to begin with, like.
0: Well, I didn't think so. I actually thought that 100 Thieves was getting pretty significant advantages in the bot lane because Tom Kench was Well, useful. yeah, I mean. So I was watching that. I'm watching that, and I'm going, oh, man, maybe, like, because I wasn't sure if you were busy or something. I was like, maybe I should tell JT not to watch this or something. Like, he's going to lose it when he sees Tom Kench support. I thought you were going to lose your mind.
1: I don't know. I, I like. I thought that game was like completely out drafted everywhere, minus support. So, mm. like, yeah, Tom Kench support is like absolutely garbage tier useless. Um, but it, it was
0: very useless that game until it wasn't because Core JJ actually did have some really nice Devours, but like late, late in the game where like he's saving Alfari, and, and I think he may may have saved Santorin one time. But leading up to that, like you're just you're giving. 100 thieves an advantage in a role that like that their bot lane is good right like you don't want to give fbi any advantages there and it's hard to lane when you don't really have a support you have kind of a useless support yeah. so i i wasn't too happy with the pick and i think jensen uh i think he said in travis's interview that or he um made it sound like he didn't really like the tom kench support pick but uh, yeah. i don't really remember i mean like but... uh
1: just again, like dude, that game, that, that draft out of Hunter Thieves is so bad. They're going like zero damage comp in a game five, which doesn't like basically when you look at that one hundred Thieves comp of Orn, Olaf, TF, Callista, Leona, it basically says we need to be 5,000 gold ahead at 20 to 25 minutes or we lose the game. And I think in game fives so where where there's going to be nerves and people are going to play somewhat conservative, like that style of play just doesn't work unless you are like this insane early game. Kind of team i think 100 thieves early games has been on the decline since the start of summer it feels like the early game has progressively gotten worse and worse uh over the course of summer split and i think just sort of all in on this style in a game five where you know tenders are going to be high and people are going to play conservative it's just not a winning recipe in my eyes interesting i'm a little bit different
0: than you on that one because i think their early game is probably where they're best where I'm a little bit nervous for them is their macro where they kind of might throw some leads. And like I said, when you do that against TL, you're going to end up losing games, which they did, honestly. Um, specifically, if we're still talking about draft things, I was surprised how often they counterpicked themselves into uh, Um Now, I, I just want to be clear that like if you're picking Orn, that's okay. You can pick and you're supposed to lose the lane and you can scale and you could be valuable there by giving your ornament items, right? You give some upgrades. But it's just—it's really a head scratcher that you're giving the advantage to Alfari, who's one a really good laner, but two can fucking carry games. Like he's good, and so you you pick Oren into Jace, I think twice, and then they picked it into GP once. Like you're gonna have Alfari be a beast. So I was kind of
1: zero head.
0: Kind of surprised that they did that. That's what I was mostly surprised about when it comes to the drafting from 100. Th-
1: yeah, it's it's just. Like like I've been saying, like, it was my fear for 100 Thieves that Someday was going to be the reason that they can't win. I think well, in h- this- Well, so hold on, though. Hold on. Because I actually thought he still played good, though. Despite being in these
0: counter matchups, I actually thought he didn't, like, run it down, but Jace did get the advantages that a Jace should get in those matchups. So I didn't think Someday was bad.
1: Did you? Well, I, I just don't think that you can play like that in, in a playoff series and expect, you know, like, I don't know, like- you're you're going into these matchups against the best laner in the league and yeah. like i guess if the game plan is to like let's say be down 20 to 30 to 40 cs and then have a more impactful mid and late game like i can understand that just not against the best laner in the league who's going right. to abuse you to the maximum and i think it just it doesn't make a lot of sense to me that as you mentioned that they're picking themselves into it i could totally yeah. understand you know, if you're the team who wants to then blind pick uh, a tank top or conservative top, and then give right. that advantage elsewhere in the draft to another player, like oh, now we're going to get support counter pick, oh, or now we're going to get mid counter pick, or oh, now we're going to get jungle counter pick. But to actively pick themselves into these matchups, where Team Liquid is actually the one giving up the draft advantage by blind picking a carry, saying okay, like we're kind of giving someday the keys to like play a like play a good matchup he feels confident on in, in, in like a counter pick. And then they're just not doing that. So I just feel like it's an advantage that 100 Thieves wasn't taking advantage of. And to me, that feels like someday holding back the team.
0: Yeah, and that's a totally fair, I, I think you're you're right on. I think that's a totally fair criticism. We saw TL take advantage of that the whole series. It was like, okay, Jace blind, Jace blind, GP blind. Like, okay. Like they clearly knew that they could give Alfari a blind pick and still let him get advantages in lane. That is a weakness. And so I think you're 100% right on that. So let's get into some of the gameplay now, because I want to talk about, well, there's a lot of players that I want to talk about, but let's talk about Core JJ to start. I thought his rel was insane. Uh, I have to talk about the four-man rel ulti. Uh, there was a team fight that was breaking out. TL was already down a man uh, after uh, Tactical gets picked, and CoreJJ, well, Team Liquid as a whole, they decide to take the fight still. Core JJ makes the four-man ulti going in blind, I might add, uh, that was such a huge swing in that game. Jensen flashes in, follows up with the Syndra combo, and they completely wipe them off the map. Uh, huge play for Core JJ. Definitely get, got the game going in their direction, and I just think he deserves a huge shout out for it.
1: Yeah, uh, Core JJ continues to like play well on the champions that he normally plays very well on. I think any engager that he plays, and his Bard is obviously like one of the one of the best in the league, probably in the world. It felt like just never really touched bard in the majority of summer split up until playoffs where he's like now whipping it out left and right and just like absolutely carrying on that champion like i say this about this about cord j like feels like every other week or like once a month but like he is the actual one player who carries from the support role like he does so much around the map for team liquid whether that whether that's just like through fantastic landing with tactical when he's on like an engager or he, he's playing the map on these more roaming style of champions with this like thrush with his bard uh sometimes he's doing like some crazy like random roams on nautilus as well which is like really really weird that almost nobody else in the league does but uh i i just no more no more tom kench for core jj and uh <coughs> no more no more set from core jj and then he can go back to being uh one of the best players in the league I think
0: it's just a bit strange to put him on Tom Kench right when you see how good he is at the playmakers rather like and I suppose you can make plays with Tom Kench W I guess but I wouldn't call Tom Kench a playmaker by any means and so it is strange when you see him put on that kind of pick after he's so good on like a bard for example like it's insane how how this guy's able to make plays Uh, another guy I want to talk about is closer. Um, because I thought Game 2, he was the guy that swung the game in their direction. I thought he was absolutely insane on the Diana, and we've seen a lot of that from him in the summer. His Diana was great for the most part, and I guess Game 2 was no different. I thought he deserves a shout-out, because he looked really good.
1: Yeah, I, I thought his Diana game was really, really good. He was, like, one of the first people to really pick up that champion, and it's still, like, a really prevalent champion in the meta. One thing that I think people are starting to do that um, I've, I've heard uh, medias talk about quite a lot now, and I actually like have really been noticing the impact of it. Is people taking exhaust against Diana, specifically support, hmm. and I think it's pretty like unanimous that in the majority of situations, ignite is the better summoner spell to take on support. But when Diana is in games, like you really can like cut the legs off that champion by exhausting her when she goes in for the alt play, and like I feel like this weekend specifically, I was kind of like hyper focusing on that whenever you would see a Diana you pretty much always see the enemy uh, support take Exhaust, and you would always see the enemy support save Exhaust from when Diana jumps in, and it really, like, kind of kneecaps that champion a little bit, but, you know, Closer did a really good job of kind of weaving in and out fights and, and getting those big alts uh, off, and it, I I do, I'm just saying, watch out for Exhaust against Diana. It seems to be picking up a lot, but I, I still think Closer did, did a really good job in, in that game, too, specifically.
0: It makes a lot of sense, though, because Exhaust has always kind of been the counter to heavy burst assassins, right? They they go in, they intend on using their abilities when they're going in, right? And so if you Exhaust them, it does, like you say, cut the legs out from under them. That's really what assassins want to do. So it makes a lot of sense. And maybe that's why we're seeing a little bit less Diana now. And we're seeing a little bit more Xin Zhao or something like that. Which, by the way, Exhaust is still pretty good against him as well. But yeah. that's, that's besides the point. Uh, Any other players that you wanted to shout out that really stood out to you?
1: Um, Not really any more from the 100 Thieves side. I I think on the TL side, I think Jensen actually had a pretty good series. Um, I I thought, is is Lee Sin, like, even though we popped off on Lee Sin, hard against Cloud9, I still have felt that Lee Sin's solo lane is a lot weaker of a pick than it was earlier on in the split. And then we kind of saw that in this game once again, where Team Liquid went for this, you know, heavy melee kind of team comp with the Zigs in the bot lane. Almost exactly the comp that they ran against Cloud9 uh, in their series two weeks ago. And you kind of saw the version of it where, like, you don't win those early mid skirmishes and you just lose super, super hard. And I remember talking about it in the past where, you know, obviously Lee Sin is a good skirmisher, but when they were running it against Cloud9... They were running it with uh, the enemy was like Silas with recon support, and you were playing like Lee Sin, Sejuani, Shen, which is like oh my fucking god, like god tier amounts of like counter CC, counter engage, dam- like singular damage onto targets. And then in this game, you're playing that comp, but they have like Leona, Irelia, and I was like the enemy team for skirmishing. So it did kind of feel like that strat wasn't as good this game, and you could kind of see. How the game played out where Team Liquid really had no skirmish pressure whatsoever and 100 Thieves was just like hard winning the entire map.
0: Yeah, so I, I actually agree that I think Jensen's been pretty good lately. I do have to highlight some areas where I think he's making a few slip-ups. Uh, the one where they're camping the brush waiting for him to use his double distortion on LeBlanc, that the reason like some people will say like okay you're getting nitpicky he made one mistake in Asylum. That's a mistake I've seen him make a few times now. And so, like, eventually you have to learn from that mistake to not double distortion unless you know for sure where every enemy is on the map because you're giving away your, your, you know, your escape. And so he did get punished there, and we've seen that happen from him before. The other play that I got to give some criticism for is the big throw in game three. Now, I don't think that that's all on Jensen, but he did have his Banshee's Veil popped and then still decides to go in and try to poke out one of the 100 Thieves players. While they have, like, a 12k gold lead and still, like, a minute and a half on Baron Siege, Alfari splitting in the top lane, there's no reason to make any aggressive moves there. You just need to Siege with Baron and close out the game. You should never throw that game. And he goes for an aggressive play. Now, the reason why I say it's not all on him is because he actually gets out. He distortions back out while he's being Lissandra ulted. And then Santorin and Core JJ go in to, like, save him despite seeing that he was already safe. And so, basically, the throw was on a few of them, but it starts with Jensen making a play that he doesn't have to, and so that's where I got to give a little bit of criticism to him there. With all that being said, he still had a really good series. His LeBlanc is really dangerous. Like, my god, uh, the one time FBI goes in to get a reset on on Tristana, uh, Jensen just combos him, demolishes him, and wins the fight right there. So, like, he is solo winning some of these team fights. And I can't ignore that either. So if I got to highlight the bad, I also got to highlight the good. And I think there's been more good than bad when it comes to Jensen. He's looking a lot better than he was in summer, where to me, he looked pretty ordinary in in the summer split.
1: Yeah, it um, that game three kind of felt like one of those solo queue games where like you're massively ahead. So you start making a bunch of like small brain off plays, which then start to add up. And then you're typing to your team like, yo, can we just like group and fight? And then at that point, like, Your lead is kind of gone, and the other team has momentum, and then they just win the game. It it just felt like one of those. Twelve K, I think it was, right? Yeah, it was like twelve K, and then it got down to like five or six K. But at that point into the game, it was like thirty-eight minutes. So uh, gold leads kind of don't really matter at that point. It's all about like dragons and map pressure. Was
0: Ornn in that game? No. No. Okay. My bad.
1: Um. Yeah, but like, hundred thieves had gotten mountain soul off of like another team liquid mistake in making an engage. And, like, you could kind of just tell, like, 100 Thieves just took the momentum and rode it in that game. After, like, TL just made, like, a few small mistakes, which end up, like, they lost map pressure off of that. Then they lost major objectives. And then they're like, oh, shit, like, can we just fight them now? And then they lost the fight.
0: Yeah, as soon as you start throwing and you give the other the enemy team mountain soul, the goal difference, difference doesn't look, doesn't accurately represent how close the game is at that point. When they're, even if TL still up six or seven or 8K, whatever it is, uh, if you give them Mountain Soul after that, that gold lead doesn't mean what you think it does. Ultimately, that was one of the biggest throws we've seen in the playoff game. But uh, fortunately for TL, it didn't punish them. Uh, overall, after looking at this series, I am pretty much convinced that TL is the best team in the league uh, still, which is so crazy to say because I thought that they were probably the fifth best going into playoffs but uh yeah they're looking really really good and I, I don't know if i think there's any team that could beat them i think that 100 thieves probably got about as close as they could and that was with a 12k throw so look out for team liquid i guess is what i'm saying
1: yeah like i feel like that's a pretty accurate like thing to say about it like it felt like that was as close as 100 thieves was going to get in be, into beating them and like that was with like the series should have been a 3-1 like it should have been, it wasn't, it was a three two and even a lot of those games where Team Liquid was winning, like they were kinda just stomping. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Last last thing I'll say on the series is that I actually thought Santorin didn't always look to be on the same page with his teammates. There was a couple engages where he goes in and I don't think there's any world where anyone on his team can follow up. And so sometimes you see a disconnect in either communication or just not understanding how to play your comp or whatever it is. It's hard to know from the outside, but you could tell that they weren't on the same page and he had a couple int moments. And I thought Santorin was better last week, even though I still think he's a solid jungler and probably one of our best. Um, I thought we could expect a little bit more out of him. And that, that's, that's about it for me on the series.
1: It, it, it feels like, well everybody knows that Zin Zhao is broken as fuck in competitive yeah. with the yeah. Sterix, score drinker, and stopwatch. But how does that
0: champion still get through, man? How well, I, I yeah, don't get
1: it. First of all, exactly. How is that champion being drafted? But second of all, it feels like when people actually get Zin Zhao in the game it feels like they think the champion is like better than it actually is because you, <laughs> you're right. We see a ton of people when they're playing Zinzhao just go for these crazy plays where they're diving in the enemy team 1v4 and like trying to do like the Zinsec play or just even like going in and fighting when like they have no business doing that and they don't have like proper follow-up and I think you can point to some parts in the Cloud9 TSM series where Blabber was just like going in and making some idiotic plays on Zinzhao and same in this series where Santorum was just like going in like without the follow-up of his team and would just like die in fights or would like have to blow all of his shit just to escape so i, th- I think the champion pick is really strong but like you still got to use your brain even though it's like pretty godly
0: <laughs> it seems brain off and then as soon as you brain off you get punished that's kind of funny but yeah. I, mean, I think it's pretty pretty accurate uh, to say that um do you want to move on to tsm yeah let's move on to these other series i don't think either one of us want to go too long on them Sort of similar to last week, these series weren't all that exciting and kind of went the way we thought they would. Um, look, TSM was just better than IMT, and I, I know a lot of us said, myself included, that this series should feel closer than people expect. And I think, to me, that's pretty much how the series went. I predicted a 3-1, and that's how it went. But TSM was the better team, as they should be, right? You have a first seed going up against a seventh seed. Um, this series was boring. Honestly, though, like I didn't feel like either team was doing anything uh, too crazy. It felt really, really slow. And to me, that's exactly how TSM wants to play. And so the game went, or the series went their way. Big surprise.
1: Yeah, I just what was weird out of the Immortal side was it felt like they were just content to scale and play the game. In the majority of scenarios, like like in games one and game four and kind of in game two they just thought like hey we're just not going to do anything and like farm and scale but then at the same time like you, you get to a certain point in the game where like you actually have to like execute on plays and like team fight and in a lot of those games they just like fail your basic aspects of team fighting like you saw in that game one like raisin and sandy were getting picked off consistently in the late game and team fights with like on the rise in the ezreal which are like your two big boy late game carries and like insanity is like ulting into people and like flashing into like random like stun locks and then race is just eating into the enemy's face like i don't know what Like
0: a race uses his into a rel
1: right next to him i
0: i that was a shake my head moment i i was like what uh, what did he think was going to happen when you arcane shift into the rel <laughs> like come on man uh, what i said about danny a couple weeks ago where i said i was really impressed about danny's instincts and in team fights i'm kind of like the opposite for race it's like Where does he think that's going? Why does he think that's a good play to do? And I don't think an LCS AD carry should do that. And yeah, it made me think a little bit... I mean, I was never too excited about race in the first place. It kind of made me think, I don't think I'm watching an LCS level AD carry. I feel like I'm watching an Academy level ADC uh, in race to be harsh, I guess, but
1: truthful. Yeah, it's, it's just weird. Like, I feel like I'm saying this about every single series, but when a team does what they're supposed to do and what they're good at they look good like in that game three like immortals looked really really good with their like i thought the draft was actually really really great with the camille uh, the camille zigs and rakan like basically how you just have infinite lockdown to just throw all your zigs damage onto a carry i thought they executed that comp really really well and you know they play to their win condition and then the games where they were just like hey let's sit back and scale and like not team fight and then they wish point where they had to team fight they're like oh fuck we can't actually team fight it just terrible and it was just it's pretty sad to see some of these games where like teams are getting eliminated or like they're losing in like pretty tragic fashion and they're doing things just that will not like that you just they just don't have a good expected result which is just like kind of baffling to me like when i look at teams like cloud nine or even like team liquid when they were losing like they were doing things that like that was their style and they were like going out their own way as opposed to like immortals in this series where it just felt like they were just like giving up and the only game they really tried was game three and like they played very well in that game doesn't that just sum up immortals
0: whole season where like you don't know which version is going to show up we've yeah. said this many times but that that series does kind of point to that whereas like they looked invisible in three of the four games but then the one game like you said they actually did look pretty good and i do have to give him some credit because i thought his ziggs was a lot better in that game than what i've seen in the past i'm not going to pretend his ziggs was perfect he still made some pretty bad plays let's say and and just over um uh, overextending in the side lane at one point where i'm like in what world do you think a ziggs can do that but for the most part they did seem to be in sync with some of their engages with the recon into the ziggs are so i gotta give them some, some credit there but yeah still not too impressed overall um there was one team fight where i think tsm goes for a draft was it what happened here I just remember, I think it was Immortals was on Baron, and TSM goes for the drag, and Immortals tries to punish TSM for overreaching for the drag, and Race, as he's finishing Baron, stops to kill a pink ward before running all the way down to join his team, and then ultimately it led to a throw because it took too long to get there, and it was like, man, in what world do you think that pink ward is important right now when your team is TPing to the dragon to fight? Like, oh my god. I know, I know I'm flaming Race a lot, but uh, yeah, he was pretty am t- not gonna lie.
1: Yeah, if, if I'm gonna flame anybody, I, I gotta unfortunately flame my boy Insanity. He just lost the juice, man. Like that guy been has been. Le- he's been
0: gone for a while. That he's guy,
1: low. he's been leaking out juice ever since like <laughs> spring split ended. Yeah. Like, like off season hit, he got into some fucking car trouble. He burst a pipe, and like there's just no juice left, no refill in sight. we to agree. pay his fucking water bill or something
0: yeah we have not seen the same guy the, the guy that we've been expecting to see and i guess the last thing for me on this series is that because the series went so slow i think that poe had a good series because what does he like to do he likes to farm on a control mage and just scale and that's what he was able to do for most of the series and so of course he's gonna look good and well tsm 3-1 that's yeah
1: yeah, it just, like, I didn't really even mention this in the Cloud9 series, but, like, when you just leave Power Evil unchecked at all points into the game, it it he's just so good at just soaking up gold and experience no matter what. Like, even if shit is happening elsewhere on the map, like, he's always in a side lane farming, pushing out a wave, stealing a camp, taking even taking one of his own team's camp, like, like on cooldown. And, and I feel like if you ever just leave Power of Evil unchecked, he does a really good job of just... I wouldn't even say exerting pressure through, like, doing stuff on the map, but exerting pressure because he's playing a late-game carry, and it's, it feels like you're on a bit of a clock.
0: Yeah, he'll be a threat, yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you want to move on, C9-EG? Sure. Let's go, C9-EG. This series did not go the way I thought it was going to go. I thought, coming into this series, I really wanted EG to win, because I thought they would be the better representative going to Worlds. Uh, that, I no longer think. Uh, yeah.
1: Where do I start? And uh... for me, it just felt like E.G. played like a team with something to lose, and that was that was the part where like they just lost, is they played scared, and, and they played like they had everything to lose, which they I'm do. Thinking. Don't get me wrong, they're in the lower yeah. bracket, and if they don't win, they're out. But like mm-hmm. you can't play like that. You just can't play, again, completely opposite to what you've been successful on for the entire split.
0: Yeah, I guess thinking about it, I think I was underwhelmed by every single player that played for EG uh, that day. Um, I can't... They went... Okay, so they start off with Svenskeren. Big surprise, he looks useless. Not doing very much of anything and of course he gets yanked. And I can't help but think, as I'm watching that, I'm thinking to myself like man, it's gotta feel so bad to be the other members of EG and... The team altogether can still not decide who the better jungler is. That like it's too late in the season to be flopping back and forth in in all of these series. I, I think that that's just really bad. And I mean, I was pretty vocal that I thought Contracts was the better jungler. And while I step, I definitely do still think that. I don't think Contracts is like an amazing jungler. Um, I think he had he looked really good in the in the few games that he did play. But like I said, maybe it was last week or a couple weeks ago. Very small sample size. But, as far as what we've seen of contracts over the last years, it's not a small sample size, and he hasn't been that great of a jungler. So to see him not look that great in the series didn't really surprise me at all. I thought the first game that he went in, he looked pretty good, though, the first game. I think that would have been game two. um other than that, though, not really too impressed. And, like I said, I, I could point to every single player that played that day and be a little bit disappointed in them. I thought Ignar, the guy who's supposed to find your engages, was running it down a lot. like so many times is he, either engaging with no one able to follow up at all or just trying to clear a ward getting picked off like just dying way too often and i thought ignar was really good in the summer split and so i thought he would carry that over to playoffs but we definitely didn't see it in this series so yeah pretty disappointed uh
1: the main thing like uh, there was a lot of talk after the series about kind of how you were mentioning like you'd have to be i think pissed on the eg side of things where you know you're playing this like you're just playing two different junglers at like your elimination point to the playoffs and you haven't picked a jungler um and therefore you're 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 presumably ruining your team dynamic and team synergy maybe not even ruining it but you're not you're not there's there's not a whole lot of benefits coming out of it i think people will, will always make the comparison to the times that Cloud9 has done these various roster swaps when they were the ones who had Svenskaren and had Blabber. But I think the main difference that I feel with this E.G. jungle situation with Contracts and Svenskaren and the previous ones on Cloud9 where they had Svenskaran and Blabber, was it felt like on Cloud Nine, when Svenskaren and Blabber was playing, it was a completely different game when e- when either jungler entered the field. When Blabber was in, you know Cloud9 was playing hyper aggressive. Jensen was going to play some supportive mid and just follow around Blabber the entire game. And you kind of saw that, like, they were just, like, whipping out zillion Kindred left and right, or, like, they were whipping out, like, Kindred Lissandra, or, like, Blabber was playing, like, Leeson or Olaf, and Jensen was playing some, like, roaming champion to follow it. And when you had Svenskeren and Golden Glue back in, like, they were the ones who were playing the control-type champions and playing off of their side lanes and bot top. But it feels like with this whole EG situation is they're ha- they're having two junglers attempt to play the same role, but keep switching them in and out. And I think in that situation where you're just having one two junglers attempt to do the same thing like the only way that you're going to improve is just by sticking to one and then you know building around that like it just felt like whenever Svenskeren was in the team played exactly the same way whenever Contracts was in the team still played exactly the same way but then there was there just ended up being this difference where, like contracts was just like looking better it's like why not just stick with them at that point if you're not going to have a different dynamic with Svenskeren
0: so they actually interviewed Peter Dunn and you know how they do one of those interviews at like the start of the game, which were a lot better this week, by the way, because they weren't usually like they were at the very start of the game where usually yeah, like there's not much minute. happening. Yeah, it, it, it's less likely for something to be happening. I still think they shouldn't do those interviews, but yeah, regardless, it was it was better this week. Anyways, um they asked Peter Dunn like why contracts now? And he gave the answer of like contracts is watching game one, he's gonna try to exploit some stuff. And I think that's a nice way of saying we think he's better. (laughs) Like, I don't think that they're like, yeah, here, you could watch this game and exploit something. Because then, by that logic, couldn't you have had Svenskeren watch game two and exploit something in game three? I think the real reason is they're like, holy shit, Svenskeren's doing nothing. Let's put contracts in and let him try to do something because he plays a little bit more aggro. That's my, that's what I think Peter Dunn is actually thinking. But I mean, I'm not in his head. I can't say for sure one way or another. I just think that, they were pretty convinced after game one, Svenskeren is not doing anything good for them. Let's put contracts in. Who's going to be more aggressive? Yes, there's more variants, but at least we'll make something happen. That's what I believe was the reason for putting contracts in. And I think it should be the reason why you're putting contracts in. He makes more happen than Svenskeren does. That simple.
1: Yeah. Um, there's not too much, really, to talk about with the series, because you kind of said it, like, Cloud9 was just better everywhere. Like, like there was not a role... On G that was better than Cloud Nine in that series. I think like the, the only player that I was like really like, I guess, very disappointed in was Impact, yeah, because he had a pretty terrible series against 100 Thieves the previous week, and then had another really bad series against Cloud Nine, mm-hmm. where he is like making fairly obvious mistakes in lane, kind of chain dying, chain dying in a lot of these games, and it was like this feels like this was the first season that like I've had to eat my words, like, well, I'm not gonna worry about impact because uh, week after week, <laughs> yeah, like it's just like like no matter what That's it is. Best, like though. like season six, seven, eight, season nine, season ten, like don't worry about impact. He's gonna be fine. and he turns and it ends up he's fine, but this was just like the first time that like he was actually a big problem for his team. like I think I think impact, like he was a big problem for eG in the in these best of five series, like a big, unavoidable problem.
0: I have to eat my words as well, because I said the same thing. Like, you're not you're not alone there, JNT. I think both of us were like, all right, it's fine. Impact is always reliable. He'll bounce back. Not really the case, honestly, for playoffs. He had a pretty disappointing playoffs. Um, another player to highlight is I don't think Danny looked that good. He got picked off quite often. And I think that's going to happen to a player that plays in your face like Danny does, but you got to learn when to play in your face and when not to. And, well, he got picked off quite a few times. Um, by playing so aggro, so even Danny was a little bit disappointing after how we saw him absolutely pop off the week before, and so yeah much of EG struggling, to talk a little bit about C9, because I don't have much to say um, before we move on, but I thought Perks had a really good game 2 on LeBlanc that was kind of more of like a playoff Perks kind of game, where he was uh, I, I mean, he's lethal as fuck, he was very very dangerous providing a lot of damage absolutely nuking people uh, really good game there. And then Blabber as well in Game 3. His Nocturne was great. Uh, Nocturne, we talked about how useless Huni made it look. Well, Blabber made it look really good in, in Game 3. So uh, yeah. Gotta give props where it's due. And those were the two performances that stood out for me from the side of Cloud9. Uh, although the the last thing I'll add on is that I still didn't think Cloud9 really looked that good this series. And so I was a little bit worried uh, for them going into play against TSM. Uh, yeah yeah
1: uh, it just it, again it just it just felt like one of those series where like cloud nine did what they had to do and eg looked bad like, like it feels like there's a lot of these series and playoffs right now where it's just one team that's playing average and the other team playing bad like I yep. think you, you look that's at EG, a, yeah
0: that's a good way of putting it I you look
1: at i think the only series where you can definitively say that is like where one team was like actually really playing well and popping off were the two tl series Uh, where they beat c9 and they beat tsm like that that was like the only two series i think all of in playoffs so far where i was like okay this team's actually owning the other team and is really good whereas like in all the other series it's like i mean cloud9 like they didn't int they like they didn't int it they didn't play insanely well like they just played better than their opponents and their opponents were playing badly yep and
0: so i think we can move on now right yeah so, with that, we have our final farewell, I suppose. I mean, until after Worlds is done, of course. Um, so, the final farewell, uh, I guess, who are we starting with? TSM? Yeah, we'll just. Uh, I, I guess the way we did this last week, and I think it's a good way to do it, is how happy should the org be with how the season went all together? And last week, we did a rating of 1 to 10, 10 being you're really happy with your season, 1 being you're pissed, I guess. Where does TSM fall in the. Uh, the, how happy they are rating i
1: would man maybe like a four i don't know that's what i did i did a four as well like uh, i think when you like positives for tsm the split Hooney was much better than expected in my opinion i, I yep. think when people when the original Hooney news kind of came out people were like whoa Hooney's getting a spot on tsm and like then i don't think people expected him to be as good as he was in both spring and summer um, I do think that Hooney didn't play didn't play very well in the playoffs. So I think it, you know, could potentially be a coin toss in terms of if TSM like wants to blow this roster up or whatnot or they want some continuity going into next split with Bjergsen, I would assume, continuing to be head coach. Um, but the big positive for me out of this season is how uh, how much uh how much, you know, better Spika is looking. I think it was very clear uh, when he first came into TSM that he was a rookie and was fairly inexperienced, and worked very, very well when he had these insanely dominant solo laners in Bjergsen and Broken Blade. And you kind of saw Spika play a bit of the reverse role with this iteration of the TSM roster, when he had this much more controlled, slow mid laner in Power of Evil, and he's the one making these early aggressive plays, pairing up with Sword Art, making dives top lane happening with Hooney. And I think Spika definitely learned a lot this year and i think that's really good for tsm going forward because it does actually feel like they have a real jungler who doesn't just play tanks and walk around the map like he's the guy who's controlling the pace of the game so for me i also went with a four the
0: more i think about it maybe i should give it a three if five is like you're like eh like five would be like average and like you miss worlds as tsm like, TSM wants to go to Worlds. That's their goal, and they did not reach their goal. So maybe I'm being a little bit generous for myself in giving them a four when I-, I think about, one, how you did not reach the main goal that you want to reach. But two, I think for a lot of the years, Sword Art did not look that good. He looked a lot better towards the end of the year. But again, you can't ignore how much they invested in him uh, as much as you know, people don't like to look at that. You invested a lot in this player, and I don't think you got out of it what you invested into it. And so I think that's another area where you're like, damn, like that kind of sucks. To your point, Hooney looked worse in playoffs. That's another bit of a disappointment there. I don't think Lost looked that great. There was a lot of hype around Lost uh, to remind people at the start of the year. Lost was someone that people were excited for, and they were like, don't sleep on this guy. but. Most of the year, I, although I thought he had a good series against C9, I didn't think Lost looked that great this year either. And so maybe, uh, thinking about it more, maybe I should probably give them like a 3 or something like that. Um, because, yeah, there's not too much to be excited about outside of Spica looking pretty good and being probably going to be the MVP, at least being an MVP candidate at the very least. Uh, I think you and I both said this. I know I definitely said this. Stop me if I'm putting words in your mouth your JNT. But coming into this year... I expected Spika to be the next best jungler in North America. And no I know a lot of people will say he is. Me personally, I don't think that. And so that's where I I don't think uh like again, I don't think that he reached that goal. And so I guess he's a little bit underperforming as to what I expected him to be. But most people will say that he is still the best jungler in North America. And so I guess he checks that mark or checks off that box for most people, just not for myself. And so maybe I'm I should give TSM a three rather than a four. But I think the point Uh, overall, that you and I are both making with our ratings here, is that TSM is not happy with the year, and uh, next year they're definitely going to want to make Worlds. That's the goal, right?
1: Yeah, I think the main thing why it actually ends up being a little bit better than I think it could have, is because like, in a world where Sword Art actually did play very well and the problem of TSM was like, the new players that they signed in Huni and Power of Evil and stuff like that, I think in the majority of scenarios, I think Huni and Power of Evil had good... they had solid years overall. I think the weak points of TSM was their bot lane, but I think... it sounds a bit harsh, but it feels like it gives them a bit of... it gives them an excuse to move on from Sword Art and then use that to invest in their roster elsewhere, because <laughs> oh. I think they've... well, because I think they've they've found valuable pieces in Huni, uh, in Huni, Spica, and Power of Evil. I think Huni... I don't know obviously you know the tsm will probably have different opinions on it but i think it's probably a coin toss in terms of if tsm is going to keep hoony if i was tsm i would 100 percent keep Speak in power of evil and i would probably use that uh support sword art money elsewhere
0: the reason for my reaction by the way is because I, I had it written down i was going to ask you does tsm have a different support next year that's why so you were ahead of my question yeah you, like so you, that's you, why you just, you just reaction, didn't get right? the
1: return on investment and I think right. you know, and but like at the same time, I still think it's a different situation uh than perks' when it comes to obviously like let's in a world where cloud nine doesn't make worlds um like i I don't think it's as bad for them as t s m because of what sword art was like supposed to be, like I think people knew like people knew what perks was gonna be, but I think sword art was like hyped up even more than that if you know what i mean like he yes, was a
0: final he was a world's finalist support let's not forget that just to remind people
1: yeah but i mean the other thing that i was going to mention cuz you were kind of talking about how like tsm is they, they once again kind of failed to make worlds um i was like browsing the tsm subreddit for my own uh, viewing pleasure after <laughs> the series against cloud 9 and it was in like the post game thread, like the top comment was like, it's rough to be a TSM fan. 2018 Miss Worlds, 2019 Miss Worlds, 2020 06, 2021 Miss Worlds. And I was like, wow, I didn't yeah. actually think like that is a pretty bad streak of four years for TSM. Like, true. they're just like, I don't know. Maybe they're just, maybe they're just not it anymore.
0: Yeah, that that is interesting. The thing is, I think people still look at them the same because they do win splits on a fairly regular basis. Like last year, they won summer split. And so even though they went 06, there is some like, well, we were the best team in North America. So it's not all like, I mean, they're maybe, not on a CLG trajectory. Let's just put that out there right yeah, now. Yeah. I like, mean, I'm
1: not, I'm not saying that, but I do think that they maybe have been replaced in like the upper echelon of North American teams. Like, like if you were to even just ask me right now, like what team, like what's the better org, whatever, like TSM or 100 Thieves, I think I would still say TSM. But I mean, if you look at it from like their actual, like, stuff they've accomplished in the last thieves. four years well 100 th- no no i'm saying 100 like 100 thieves has made worlds more times than tsm since 2018. i see like that's kind of crazy to think about you know what i mean
0: yeah but the one time they made it they were still garbage though
1: i mean the one time it was TSM that was when made it they were garbage mattered. Yeah, true. Even though, uh, like, okay, like, yes, TSM won is number one seed, but both of us, we voiced our many, many concerns with TSM when they were going off to Worlds, and then they went 06.
0: Yeah, yes, that is true. But I guess the difference that I'm um, making between the 100 Thieves and the TSM being garbage at Worlds thing is that I didn't think 100 Thieves deserved to go to Worlds. They had a really good spring, but an awful summer where, like, spring split mattered back then, and that's how they made it. Whereas, like, TSM made it to Worlds by winning the summer split. Like, there's a big difference of garbage there, if that makes sense.
1: Okay, we're just talking about TSM, so let's move on.
0: Yeah. Uh... Wait, do you want to move on teams? I don't really have anything more to to add for TSM other than I think they're going to have a new support.
1: That's I, I that's know. what I meant. Let's stop talking about TSM.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh EG, what number did you give them, 1 to 10, how happy are they with their season?
1: Okay. Well, I'm going to I'm going to preface this by saying I'm going to sort of remove myself from the week six week seven thoughts of like oh my god eg is looking like the best team in the league right now and i'm just going to go back to what they were at the start of summer split after kind of bombing out of playoffs and i think if you look at it from like that like it started summer split they replaced definitely with danny like could easily make the argument that they were the fifth best team in the league at that time maybe even sixth best team because, again, we'll have to bite the bullet on this. Both of us had CLG in our top six power rankings going into summer split.
0: Into summer. Uh,
1: yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 okay.
0: It's okay. It's okay because I think on Hotline tonight, they were talking about Mark's power rankings at the start of the year. And he had FlyQuest like three or four or something like that. I don't remember exactly of where. Don't quote, don't quote me on where it was. Uh, I don't remember exactly. Just it was FlyQuest in there somewhere, and it doesn't matter whether it was spring or summer. FlyQuest looked like garbage, anyways. So, okay. yeah. And okay. Just, just
1: to say, we're not alone. <laughs> but I mean, like, to take it from that perspective, I think I would probably put it around like a seven or an eight, because I okay. think if you going into the summer split, I don't think there were a team that was contending for worlds, because I think the four teams that obviously were were Cloud Nine was the best team at the time after just winning spring. Uh, Team Liquid, who was runners up behind Cloud9 and TSM, and then you had 100 Thieves making big moves, acquiring Reaper and Abadage. And EG was kind of like, oh, well, we replaced our veteran AD carry with a rookie who has no experience. And I think looking at it from that perspective, like, wow, this guy really outperformed expectations, and this team was actually really, really good for the majority of the split. I think, like, you know, obviously it looks... It doesn't look as good because of how well they were playing it and then the result that happened. But I think overall, right. like, I'd probably give them about, it, like, a seven and a half. Like, like I'd be happy. Like, you have a really great player in Danny moving forward. You have another player in Jazuke who seems to really have stepped up his performance. Didn't have the best playoff performances. I would argue same with Ignar. I think Ignar has started to really turn it on in Summer Split. Didn't have the best playoff performance. And then I think moving forward me if it was me i'd get rid of impact and i would just move along with contracts
0: interesting so for me i look at it as a start of the year thing like as january kind of type deal whereas like what your expectations are coming into the season at the start and then where you end and for me i gave eg a five and the reason why i gave them a five is because i do remember an interview with peter dunn where he says their goal is to make worlds and they expect to make worlds and just like tsm they did not reach that goal and so by that they're probably a little bit disappointed that they that they didn't reach their goal so they're a little bit upset there but you got the danny point is really important to to recognize here that you found a really good prospect who by the way is signed until 2023 november 21st 2023 his contract expires and so you've got this player that is looking to be very promising and i don't want to get ahead of ourselves because a lot could happen but the point is, he's looking really good, and you've got him locked up for a long time. And so there's, like, there's a lot of good to come out of that specifically. And so I don't think it's all that bad. I, I do think it's, like, an eh. I think it's, you found a really good player, and, like, you could look a lot better going into next year. um. But, unfortunately, you didn't reach your main goal, and so that's why I gave them a 5.
1: Okay. Well, let's go on to Immortals right now. Can Can I ask
0: you one quick question, though? Oh, sure. Is Svenskaren playing for EG next year? No, no chance. Hell no. Okay, good. Glad we got that out no of the out of the way. Shot. I, I don't think so either. I think no way. I think they I think they think Contracts is the better jungler. I think they're probably either gonna roll with Contracts or they'll look for a new jungler. I don't think there's any chance Svenskaren is going to be playing for EG. So
1: yeah. I probably okay. rolled contracts.
0: It depends on who's available, right? And for what price and blah blah blah, all that stuff. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, IMT, another team to say farewell to, how did their season go in your eyes?
1: Not good in my eyes. I think, I think looking at the season holistically, their solo laners were super inconsistent. I think both of them, the majority of the times, were flipping tails more than heads. Like, probably like a 70-30. And uh, their bot lane, I think, was pretty terrible for the most part, apart from the last two weeks of the regular season and their couple of playoff matches that they played. Because I thought Raisin and Destiny actually did improve towards the end of summer split and at the start of playoffs. It did seem that they were actually playing a lot better than they were. And Xersei, I feel like, is a known quantity coming into this team. We knew he was going to be that veteran presence and was going to be a solid jungler, kind of what we got from him. And I think from the Immortal side of things, they were probably expecting improvements from Insanity and were expecting more from Revenge and were expecting more from Raze and Destiny. And they really didn't get any of that from any of those players. And I feel like the entire roster other than Xerxe is just a big fat question mark. And I think, man, I'm in like the range of like two to three for Immortals
0: really see i don't have them that low
1: i just i just think because insanity flopped so hard in summer and revenge like just didn't i don't think revenge made any improvements
0: yeah so i i guess i differ a little bit on the revenge thing i will admit a lot of inconsistency out of revenge but i do still think he got better as the year on i just don't think he got much better is the thing and for me i gave them a five i think coming into the year your expectations out of immortals was that you you weren't supposed to go to worlds right and technically you were pretty close i guess like you th- who did, they did win a playoff series and you're a and development roster us. sure but you won a playoff series and you're not even like you're a development roster like remember this team was i think power ranked 8 or 9 for a lot of people i had
1: them I've, at 7 i think but i'm a, I don't more, remember i'm at right Insanity stand, stand so
0: sure yeah where the the disappointment does come in with insanity for me because i thought that he had a lot of room to grow and i don't think we saw that in fact i thought he kind of went the other way yeah um so that's why i still give them a five is because again their expectations weren't where egs and tsm's were but even still i don't even know if they really built that much i think you built a little bit with revenge and i don't really know if you built much anywhere else and so it's it's like they didn't have high expectations, so it's like, what can you really call a failure? But they did very minimal of their building or or whatever you want to call it. So that's, I don't know. I just gave them an average ranking of five. Maybe, I don't think they're too happy or too unhappy one way or another.
1: And maybe two is too low because I think I gave Dignitas a two. But I mean, like, I, I mean probably a three, I guess. I said two to three, probably a three. I like. I think the only reason why they're a th- Three and not a two in my books is Reve- or race and destiny's improved play at the end of this at the end of the season i still think they're a big question mark like i'm not going to take three to four weeks of decent play and just completely ignore large amounts of inting that was going on with their bot lane in spring and like the the, the good portion of summer and same on the flip side with revenge like there were some decent performances at a revenge. There were some really good performances in facts, but like they were few and far between. And the rest yeah. of it was a lot of like nothing. Like,
0: I think if you look to replace on this team, I'm looking at the AD carry and I'm looking at mid because I don't think that race is a, an LCS level AD carry. I think that um, he's disappointed me a lot, as I've, as, as I've said many times. And I think that, Des- or excuse me, not Destiny, Insanity is just going in the wrong direction. Uh, he was really really like he didn't really make anything happen whereas like last year he was insane pun intended like that's what we saw from him but that's what we expected from him and he would make things happen and yes sometimes it would be coin flippy but at least he would do something whereas like it feels like he's just sitting mid farming doing absolutely nothing that is not the mid laner i want on my team so uh, if it were me i would look for another mid and maybe you put him back at, down in academy i don't know But uh, it's hard to say what Immortal's options will be uh, for any of their roles for that matter.
1: Yeah, yeah. like like Insanity in his rookie split was like, oh my god, big plays and big ins. And then in Spring Split, it was like, oh, okay, we're actually getting some consistency out of Insanity. He's actually really good in lane and has pretty good teamfight impact. And then Summer Split was like, "Uh, let's just go die a bunch and then not do a whole lot in lane.
0: Yeah. Uh so farewell to all three of those teams. Uh I don't really have anything more to say on any of them.
1: No, I say we we get into our our finals weekend. Yeah, let's get hyped. You.
0: Yeah, this is this should be exciting. Uh I don't know if it will be as exciting as the last world spot fight. I have to be honest, I think the winner to go to Worlds or the the fight to go to Worlds seems to be more exciting than the actual finals nowadays. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. Maybe the finals will be amazing but i feel like it's really hard to top game 5 of the last world spot between c9 and tsm am i wrong
1: just have to get some more game 5s then won't we blue jay yeah
0: yeah i guess so anyways c9 versus 100 thieves is where we're starting right of course yeah i guess where else would we start um i think 100 thieves is going to win this i think there's wow. I, I won't be surprised if you go c9 But I think 100 Thieves is just a better team. I think that they get their advantages in the early game. I think C9 has struggled to get advantages in the early game. And I think a lot of their wins come from games being prolonged um, and being thrown to them. And I don't think you can rely on that too often. Now, with that said, 100 Thieves hasn't been the best at holding those leads. But again, that was more so playing against a team like Team Liquid. So I don't think C9 will be as reliable as TL was to be able to get some of those leads back after they've lost them in the early game. I won't be surprised so I'm going 3-1 100 Thieves and I won't be surprised if in every single game 100 Thieves gets a lead at 15 minutes but they throw one of them. That is where my prediction lies. I I just think that they have been far more consistent in every role Um. so yeah 100 Thieves for me
1: That's actually pretty surprising mainly because I just think that top lane is such a gross mismatch that like I
0: don't think it's a gross mismatch that's where I'm different I think
1: oh yeah I I just think like we're gonna see more of the same in some days matchup I I don't know Wow, it's I don't know I've just always thought that 100 Thieves is a bad matchup or sorry that yeah Cloud9 is a bad matchup for 100 Thieves and I think the times that 100 Thieves has ended up beating uh, Cloud9 this split was when Abadage was popping off really really hard and he was actually you know doing a lot through his lane phase and I think that Abadage has not become worse but he just hasn't become as dominant and isn't just like absolutely dicking people in lane and and just making his presence felt and I do think that Perks is he's still far away he's not playoff Perks yet but those Hard pop off performances that we didn't see pretty much all of summer split have started to you know happen in playoffs so far. He had that really. So good are you
0: giving game. the edge to perks over Abadage?
1: I'm not giving the edge to perks. I'm just saying that one of the reasons why 100 Thieves was successful against Cloud9 early on in the split was because of how big the edge was towards Abadage. And I think you know mid lane, especially when Blabber is involved in a game, mid lane dynamic means so much. Because Blabber loves to just like get up in there and fight and, and want to pressure enemy laners and want to pressure for invades and want to pressure for Scuttlecrabs. And in a world where his mid laner doesn't have pressure, he can't do these kinds of things. And I think the 100 Thieves and Cloud9 of the past, Abadage is winning mid and getting pressure through there. But I don't think right now. I think it's a pretty even matchup. And I think it'll be kind of on the junglers to make plays. And I think... I don't know, I kind of said like FBI and who he have been falling off a little bit. I still think they're really good. I just don't think they're as dominant. Like, I guess- Did I miss
0: a, did you say a, a prediction? Did I miss that?
1: I haven't said it yet, but- but okay. One of my main things that I, I did say about 100 Thieves earlier is it has felt like they've lost their edge in the early game. And I guess while you did kind of say like, they're still a pretty good early game team. And I think I, I kind of didn't exactly explain myself thoroughly. Is they've just lost that edge in the early game where they can dominate the early game. Like, I don't think 100 Thieves is going out here and dominating early games. And I think, like, I I just think that with Cloud9's improvements, they're not going to let, like, they're not going to let the early game slip out of their hands. And they're not going to make these game game deciding mistakes that they did make in the regular season against 100 Thieves.
0: So I guess the difference for me and what you're saying there is that I don't have any. There's nothing that makes me believe Cloud9 won't let the early game slip. I think they've let the early game slip a lot lately. Um, And I I, I always say being proactive is better, and and I do think they've been proactive, but some of the plays that they're going for just make no sense. Uh, I guess I didn't bring it up in the EG series, but do you remember how they're trying to dive set top against impact like that's just an in play that's an example there or perks using the rise ulti in the bot lane against tsm like they're just going to turn on you with pantheon like those are plays that c9 are trying to make but they're just giving away advantages by making these plays that you don't win and so that's why i well i first of all i also think that 100 Thieves has been getting their own advantages but also c9 has been giving away advantages and so that's why i think there's a really big mismatch in the early game and that's why i think in all four games matching my predictions if it's a 3-1, that's why I think in all four games, I think 100 Thieves will have the lead, but their macro has been pretty lackluster and they their ability to force fights around Dragon uh, with their on their terms and with their vision is where they've struggled. And that's why I think they're going to throw one. And that's why I give it 3-1 for 100 Thieves. I, I think that they will win the early game, but who knows? I, I've been wrong before. Uh, the other thing that I want to add as well is you talked about the top lane mismatch. I think some days look a lot better in playoffs. Um, I don't agree with them giving pa- oh. into Alfari every time. But like I did say, I did think that someday still looked good, despite the fact that he's counterpicking himself. And and also Cloud9's been putting Fudge on like Tom Kench and stuff like that. i I really don't know what to think about what they're going to pick for Fudge. Maybe they put him back on carries. It's hard to say because he's been kind of everywhere. Oh, um, but I, I, get-
1: I Fudge plays like the occasional Tom Kench I think he plays like one Tom Kench game a series, but for the most part he's playing carries, like he's playing Gangplank. blank whipped out the Gwen, he's played Jace, like, I don't know, I, I don't... Yeah,
0: he's, well, that's what I'm saying, I'm saying he's everywhere, I'm saying that he's yeah. playing the Tom Kench, he's playing, I guess, Jace, he's playing Nar. he's playing Gwen, like, that's kind of all over the place, if you ask me, and so I don't really know what, exactly what to think about the top lane matchup, but regardless, I don't think that it's a huge mismatch, if it's, if it's a gap in the favor of Fudge, I think it would be kind of similar, whereas he gets a lane advantage against an Orn, where you're supposed to, and I don't really see it being much more than that.
1: Yeah, I guess I just don't ever see Cloud9 opting into tank versus tank top lane. And I'll happily take Fudge in carry versus tank from Fudge's like Fudge playing the carry and I'll happily take Fudge in the Carry V carry matchup. Um hmm. Yeah. I mean I guess my only other thing would be in this series is like uh just don't give either team op jungle picks like i would be really surprised if either team is like willingly giving up zinzao or diana unless they're trading for the other like i think we'll see a lot of jungle bans this series i think i'm gonna assume that we're gonna see like a lot of like tier 3 junglers come out in this series because i'm expecting high priority on diana and zinzao in the form of bans also viego and therefore i think we could see like people reach down at that champion pool uh, like, maybe we see, you know, some Sin, maybe some Olaf, maybe some Trundle. I don't know, maybe... Both of
0: them play Olaf, we know that. They're both Olaf players. Yeah.
1: But at the same time, I also think support sort of style, like, of top and mid have gone down. So, when teams do pick Olaf, it's more of, like, uh, we're playing, where the, it's that, like, style of Compton when 100 Thieves ran in Game 5, where they're just playing extremely early game-oriented, and I don't think you can do that with either series, and...
0: And should be a fun series, though. I'm I saying 3-1 cloud I think that's fair to say. Okay, that's what I was going to ask you. Okay, and I was, so,
1: I, honestly, I was even more leaning, I was leaning more towards a 3-0 than a
0: 3-2. Really? Like, if I had okay. to, if
1: I had to not pick 3-1 and say 3-0 or 3-2, I would have said 3-0 Cloud9.
0: Interesting. But
1: I'll say 3-1 because I can.
0: Interesting, interesting. I, okay, so we each got 3-1, but I got 100T you, 100T, you got C9. So then going to the finals, one of them will have to play Team Liquid. I think we're both going Team Liquid on this one. Is that fair to say?
1: Mm, well, uh oh god. Oh, uh,
0: hold on. Hey, I, hey, now.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm not even going to give a prediction because it's my, my prediction is going to completely hinge on this, the series that Cloud9 plays against 100 Thieves. If Cloud9 plays a not so clean series but still wins, um, I'm going to take uh, Team Liquid, and if Cloud9 plays a good series, I'm going to take Cloud9. I think I'm taking Team Liquid regardless uh, if 100 Thieves wins. So I think more often than not I'm picking Team Liquid, but if Cloud9 plays well against 100 Thieves, I'm going to take Cloud9.
0: I am going to go back to my original prediction and say 3-0 for TL in the finals. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I know. I know. No way. I it's think a they're 3-0, the best team. But how is it? How
1: is it going to be a 3-0?
0: Because I don't think that. <laughs> Look, you got to remember for one, that they threw a huge 12k gold lead. I, I don't expect that to happen again. Like, that is a game where, to me, TL is definitely winning that game. And again, I don't like the way that they drafted into Alfari. I think that you can't just give him free counter pick all day long when he's blind picking. <laughs> he's blind picking, and then you're giving him the counter pick. I think that they got away with quite a bit there and i do think that santorin looked a little bit worse like i mentioned earlier i think i expect a little bit more out of santorin i thought he was a little bit lackluster in that series i think he'll be better and i i think still think that tl is going to throw that series against 100t to me i feel pretty confident and, and maybe i'll be wrong and maybe my opinion may change but for now i feel fairly confident in saying tl1 100 thieves 2 and c9 3 in that order of, of power rankings and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I've been wrong before, but that's that's how I feel about it at the moment.
1: Yeah, I think just for me, like if they face up against Cloud Nine, like if you look at that first series, I think Team could played their best series. They played their best league of all summer, in that game against Cloud Nine, and it was a three-one, and easily could have been a three-two for either side because of that whole you know Baron flip at the end of game four there. And like Cloud Nine was playing pretty bad in that series, and yeah. I don't think they're playing insanely well right now, but I think they played better than they did against Team Liquid against EG and TSM. And obviously they're they're not as good as Team Liquid obviously, but I I just don't I don't see winning
0: 3-0. But do you so hold on a second though cuz I I know you probably said this but I just want to go back to it. If if Cloud9 is playing, do you think Cloud9 is going to win though?
1: It's it's honestly, it's all for me my prediction is going to hinge on Cloud9's performance. I think if if it's okay. like a 3-2 like slobber knocker, between them and 100T, and like Cloud9 doesn't look very insane, I'll probably pick Team Liquid. But if Cloud9 looks insane, I'm gonna pick Cloud9, because I, okay, okay. I said this last week, Cloud9, in my opinion, is the only team that could beat Team Liquid. I think if 100 Thieves is in the final, there's just no chance that they win.
0: Okay, so I won't ask you for a scoreline then, but let's say they're not playing 100 Thieves. If they were to play right now, TL versus C9, who would you take? Not even a scoreline, just who would you take? I'll be Team Liquid. 3-2. Okay, interesting.
1: Okay, uh, do you want to move on to awards? Well, no, we have... Well, yes, but the awards you're referring to are the LCS Split Awards. Yes. Um, So Fudge uh, won FTX Most Improved Player on what got announced like last Tuesday. Um, Yeah. I think that was kind of expected from what we discussed and what most people were talking about. Yep. Um, Yeah, I... Yeah, uh, they, he was
0: garbage to start and he was great as the season went on I think it's that simple I don't have anything more to say other than that
1: Yeah. Uh, and last up, uh, I think they announced MVP if they do it like they've been doing it in the past it'll get announced on Saturday sometime during the broadcast of the losers bracket finals because that's when they normally do it is they announce it on the Saturday Um, I think everybody believes it'll be Spica um, yeah. but I still think it should be closer in my opinion
0: yeah, I think it should be Jazuke, but I think it will be Spika as well. I don't have that strong of an opinion on it. I I just think that Jazuke his pop off moments were definitely bigger than Spika's in my opinion. Um you could definitely at the start of the split, I don't wanna just forget that Jazuke ran it down in week one. But week one out of nine is not enough to me to to really hold a player back when he was as good as he was and I thought that Spica's first half of Summer Split wasn't as impactful as people made it out to be now I know most people are going to disagree with me on that and that's fine I, I don't I don't mind that if people disagree with me on that I just yeah I didn't think that he I was really surprised when I heard his name being brought up mid mid split that Spica was like MVP candidate although I do think that his second half of the split uh was definitely worthy of that so that's where it is for me and then closer again he was solid all split long i would actually have him above spika as well and i would probably have spika third in my mvp voting if i if i were to vote but that's besides the point i think most people are going to give it to spika
1: yeah i think as of right now um last i remember the people that are still in the mvp running are spika closer Jazuke, and fudge and if i did have to order it in my books i think i would put it Closer, Spica, Fudge, Jazuke. But, again, in my opinion, I think that the, there's a huge gap between 1, 2, and 3, 4 in terms of, like, MVP. Um, and then the way that I would wait, Spika versus Closer, because I think the voting is going to be super, super close, I would probably put it around somewhere like a 55-45 or a 60-40. Um, that's how I would put it, in Closer's favor, but but I, I do think that speak is going to win by, like, a good portion just because it just the way that the, the narrative is team
0: voting yeah, as well the, yeah exactly
1: exactly and just the way that the narrative has been playing out like since like week six or week seven of the regular split yeah regular usually season.
0: the all pro voting does give you a little bit of a hint as to what to expect for mvp so anyway uh let's get into our own awards our pop-off bean soup classics if you will yep. uh you want to start or you want me to start
1: you can start because i'm going to do mine in tandem
0: core jj rel baby let's go uh i thought that rel play was sick and i think you gotta have balls to take a 4v5 fight uh after you've lost your 80 carry like you lose a damage dealer it's hard to take a fight like that that was just a really clean play he went in blind flash ulti rel four man followed up by jensen that play was clean giving him pop off should i do the bean soup as well since yours are going together sure Okay, my bean soup was Ignar. I could have gone Ignar, could have gone Impact. Uh, I had to give it to a veteran from EG because I think they were both pretty disappointing, honestly. Uh, I've hyped up Ignar more in the past, I think, than I have Impact. And so that's why I think I leaned more towards Ignar. I thought his his final series was just absolutely garbage. Uh, Dying often. And I I don't think I need to say any more other than that. I've been pretty... I've said what I had to say earlier. I think that he was bean soup and... Uh, it's sad to see his season end that way after I thought he had a really good summer, but that's what it is. All
1: right. Well, my pop off was the carry top laners, and my bean soup was the tank top laners. Uh, so, my mm. pop off kind of like Fudge Alfari, and my bean soup was Impact someday. Um, mm. we obviously discuss this a lot at lengths, but you just can't be can't be using your draft advantage in the form of top lane counterpick to pick a tank into a car- into a scaling carry and yeah. Uh, yes. Jace is a scaling carry with, with the with the new items and whatnot. That's um, less
0: of a someday thing and more of a a coach slash team drafting thing,
1: though, right? I mean, still, but like, uh, there's like, uh, I, I highly, I mean, I highly doubt that someday is like. I mean, I hope for his sake. Like, yeah, give me fucking Orn and shit and whatnot. Like into this carry <laughs> player. Like, there's no like, if this guy is actively asking for these matchups. The problem is even worse than I thought.
0: That's the that's just the classic meme.
1: Yeah. Did you I don't see
0: know. this like, is totally off topic, but it's kinda of relatable. Did you see the post from uh Solo saying like the best tweet will get like the tattoo on the inner part of his lip? And no. someone commented lock me in orn or something like that.
1: Oh Jesus.
0: <laughs> I just thought I thought that would be kind of the best one to have him get as a tattoo, but anyways.
1: Yeah, um, I don't know, it just, it really feels like tanks are not viable at all right now. The only tank that I think is, like, actually viable is Tom Kench, hmm. and, I don't know, the only other quote-unquote tank you could say is Nar, but I don't really classify Gnar as a tank, I think I classify him more as, like, a bruiser, yeah. especially because I think it's more beneficial when you build the sort of damage style of Sunderer and uh, Starex and i also we we've kind of been seeing a, a little bit of like wits end third items well being played on nar um so i think he does end up being more of a damage dealer than a tank per se even though the champion is like naturally tanky but like i i really don't want to see anybody play any tank other than tom kench because i think tom kench is actually still it still a pretty good pick on support don't fucking play the support
0: I don't mind the tanks. Uh, where I agree with you, though, is that they're picking them. They're counterpicking themselves. That's yeah. where I don't like the tank. Like, that's just... I don't care what you're playing with. You're playing a carry or a tank. Don't counterpick yourself. Like, that's what you shouldn't be doing if you're a solo lane and you have the pick advantage. Like, why even be red side if you're not going to use your counterpicks? If you're just going to lock in Ornn last pick. That, that is, like... Man, that is so... What, 2019, 2020 LCS? Counterpicking yourself with tanks? Yep. That's a problem that we, I thought we were done with thought we were done with that problem but i guess it crept back
1: back all right what's next jnt oh well, we're gonna do a little international update part two as worlds is slowly approaching we're getting there finals are kind of being playoffs and finals are happening all around the world but yeah. there was some pretty major news that just dropped fairly recently that apparently worlds is going to be moved to, to Europe. Europe and no longer will be in china that's kind yeah, of yeah that insane. just dropped
0: that just dropped earlier today as we are recording this uh so the rumor is iceland again um that at least that's what i was hearing from hotline league is that iceland makes sense to me that's a lot different or iceland and berlin were travis's two best guesses uh that makes sense to me honestly that you would go back to because who the hell knows what the hell COVID's going to look like. You could have some random outbreak all of a sudden. And then, you know what I'm saying? Where it's like, that's where you'll be happy if you're in Iceland to do that. Now, we don't know what the actual announcement is yet from Riot. They haven't made their announcement as to why they're doing this yet. Yeah. Um, I guess there's rumors that they couldn't get their whole like crew or team or whatever um, in China. I, I don't know. I guess we'll have to wait for their announcement. But I think you could feel confident... Going back to Iceland, right? If you just did MSI there, why wouldn't you run back there again if, if it's COVID-related? Wouldn't that make sense?
1: Yeah, it, it does... I don't know. What's the word? Like, it does... Like There's some safety in that they just held the last international event in Iceland.
0: With that, no like... problems, right? Yeah,
1: and that they could or run it... Or major problems, anyway. Yeah, that, that they could run it back there and, like, shit wouldn't be scuffed. Yeah. Like it's not like they had to make some like impromptu scuffed setup in a different country. It's like, oh no, the foundation's already there. We know what we're doing, and just have to do it again.
0: The only thing I care about is what does this mean for time zones? Like, where, what time are these games at? And I don't think that that answer is necessarily obvious because maybe they try to cater the times better to China no uh, because to the, the world was supposed to be in China. I don't. I don't. I have no idea. Maybe it's just regular LEC time which is like morning for North America, which is not bad. At least you don't have to watch games at like 4 a.m. and stay up till 10 a.m. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. That, that's a mess. I, we'll have to wait and see what the times look like, but I'll definitely be keeping my eye on that when they if they announce that.
1: Okay. Um, going on to the regions themselves, um, we'll start out with LCK because mm-hmm. LCK finals are happening this Saturday at 4 in the morning, Eastern Standard Time. Uh, it's Damwon versus T1. Uh, Damwon 3-0 Nongshim in the semifinals. T1 3-1 Genji in the semifinals. Mm-hmm. We're having Faker versus Coma finals. Winner gets the tenth LCK championship.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The first All one to garas. get their tenth is is kind of hype. Uh, yeah, I think that, I think that's really cool. Honestly, I think that that makes the series a lot more hype than if it were gen g honestly and i'm i'm a gen g guy i love gen g but let's be honest this makes it a lot more hype
1: right the storyline anyways like i said said this for like two weeks now league is always better when faker is winning
0: (laughs) yeah i don't hold that like don't get me wrong i definitely like watching faker but i'm not that i guess my opinion on it isn't as strong as yours like when faker is not at worlds i while i would love to see faker at worlds i'm not that disappointed in that. I like seeing a new person win or a new team win because when you commit your whole life to a game, I don't mind seeing someone new win it. Like, it's really, it would be really sad to commit your life to a game and never get to taste true victory, which is what worlds is. And a lot of players have to do that. And so that's why I don't mind if it's not faker running it back and winning it again. Although it's, it is nice to celebrate such a good player. I, I don't feel that strongly about it, because if it's not him winning again, then it's someone else that gets to taste that sweet, sweet victory, and I think that's pretty cool.
1: Um, do you want to do a quick prediction? Just for Damn one. Yeah, me too. I'm going to say 3-1. Uh,
0: yeah, I guess 3-1. I don't have that strong of, imp- of an opinion, because I haven't watched the series as of late. Normally, I would watch the Gen G series, for sure, because they're my LCK team, but it kind of got spoiled for me, so I didn't want to watch my team lose, so I didn't watch it. I woke up planning to watch it and yeah, I mean by the time I was before I was able to watch it, I already heard what had happened while watching L E C and LCS and stuff like that. I don't remember who spoiled it, but some broadcast spoiled it. I went ah crap. So anyway. Uh
1: the other thing to just quickly note out of LCK is with Damwon and T1 being in the finals, uh both of them have locked a world spot and due to Gen G's spring performance and their summer performance, just in terms of final placements, they are guaranteed a world spot, whether that be um, third or fourth. Uh, Let's go Gen-G! Yeah, so basically T1 and Gen-G, at the very least, have three and four, and Damwon, at the very least, has two. So, Damwon's going as a top two, most likely, and then you know, there's, you know, that's gonna be scary. One of T1 or Gen-G is gonna be in play-in stage. That is gonna be fucked.
0: Yeah. Well, that that's what's so interesting because I don't remember feeling like there was a huge threat out of the four seeds last year. Like from LPL, LGD didn't really look that great, and then Mad Mad didn't even make it out. But like, it feels like this year, it feels like it's going to be
1: different, dude.
0: It's because the top teams in LCK, even like the top five, maybe six teams, are all pretty close to each other.
1: Yeah. So top five in LCK are good.
0: Yeah. So anyways, I think plans will look a little bit different with the 4 seeds this year versus last year.
1: Yeah. Um okay, next up, we have LEC. Very spicy weekend in the LEC similar to the LCS. Uh got wrapped up on Sunday with a the El Clasico of G2 versus Fnatic. Ended up going Fnatic's way 3-2. I think that's only like the second time that Fnatic has beaten G2 in a best-of-five series. Don't quote me on that, but I think the only other time they beat them in a BO5 was season 10 in the first time... In, in summer, when the first time they met in playoffs, Fnatic won, and then G2 beat them in the rematch in the finals. Other than that, I don't know if Fnatic's ever beaten G2 in a best-of-five.
0: I mean, I'm not your guy for that. You know, I've mentioned I don't know. every I... time we go back in time. Goldfish brain, I don't remember.
1: I don't know. Like, even when... <sighs> fanatic won lec both times in 2018 um i don't even know if it had like i don't think g2 made it that far
0: now this is the first time though that g2 is not going to worlds right yeah that's crazy
1: that is very like insane
0: there's a lot of new memes you could talk about now like no perks no worlds like the sneaky one is dead unfortunately rip the no sneaky no worlds meme but yeah. with that, a few new ones can be born. No perks, no worlds, no... Well, also, Reckless... No double-lift,
1: no worlds. Reckless, go new team, bomb out, like, when he went to Elements yeah. in Season 5. Didn't uh. do very well. And then his replacement AD carry on Fnatic was, like, actually super insane when, like, Steelbeck was, like, for whatever reason, like, the best AD in Europe back in Season 5. Even Upset's he was looking re-
0: pretty damn good with well, Fnatic
1: right now, too. Yeah, Upset's looking...
0: I feel bad for Reckless, I think, the most.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, yeah, I I do really feel bad for Reckless because I think him and Yankos were probably the two players that were actually playing pretty well for the majority of both spring and summer, even though it wasn't even though G2 wasn't super successful, um, because their uh their solo solo laners were doing a bit of trolling. Uh, this summer, but
0: dude, that series was so crazy though, Fnatic G2. That if you guys haven't watched that one, go go watch it. That was a great series. Yep. Uh, who do you think is the best team in, in Europe right now? I, I, I know who I'm going with.
1: Well, it's Mad Lions, obviously, but I'm just yeah. thinking like if either team has a chance to beat them.
0: So I, I think it's obviously Mad Lions. I just wasn't sure how close you were with, with with for Mad Lions. Now, that doesn't mean I don't think the other teams can beat them, but I just think what I've seen so far, I think their macro is hands down the best. And I think they have an off switch if they need it. I don't think Fnatic has that by any means. Yeah, Fnatic, which, are... by the way, is a good thing for viewers because watching Fnatic is so much fun. But I think it hurts them a lot. They throw a lot of their lead. Um, but yeah, anyway, I, I just think Mad looks the best right now. I think Rogue has fallen off a little bit from Spring. I would have, well, I did say, hands down, I thought Rogue was the best team in Spring. Even though they lost to Mad Lions for MSI, I, I, that was for me one of those moments where the better team didn't win. I, I But this time around, I think the better team is winning, and I think Mad is the best-looking team at the moment.
1: Yeah, uh, I, if I had to pick, I'd probably pick Mad Lions as the winner. It's difficult to say because I would think, based on history, just have to say that Fnatic has a better chance to win than Rogue because it does seem like Mad Lions kind of have their number, um, their number being Rogue's number. Um, and I honestly can't even, like, Think of like how a Mad Lions or Fnatic matchup looks like because I don't think they've ever played a BO five against each other, and i their their regular season matches don't really stick out. So I feel like should Fnatic beat Rogan, make the finals. It's like a series that like there's really no information on. Which hmm. Could either lead to a one sided stomp or a really exciting match.
0: Yeah. So you got Fnatic going to finals then?
1: No. Well, I just said if Fnatic were to make finals. Okay. I think right. Rogue will still probably beat Fnatic, but I do, I do think Fnatic probably has the better chance against Mad Lions.
0: I so I have Rogue beating Fnatic as well, but I don't feel that confident in it. It really does yeah, me 50-50 for me, so I don't have a strong opinion on that. I I do think Mad is going to win though. I think they're the best.
1: And similar to the LCS format, Mad Lions, Rogue, and Fnatic are the three teams that Worlds positions obviously going to be decided by yeah. finals weekend. And you know, uh, LEC, LCS, like the schedules pretty much match up. LEC always happens right before LCS, five hours beforehand. So, uh, yeah,
0: both are Saturday, Sunday, and I believe the regular times. I can double check that. It's just five hours in advance. Time. Let's go into LPL. I'll look it up just to confirm for sure, but.
1: Yeah. Like LPL now. Um. There's still a bunch of se- well, not a bunch of series. There's three more series. Sorry, four more series to be played in the LPL. There's currently four teams left in the LPL playoffs. There's FPX and WE who are in the upper bracket finals, and then in losers bracket we have LNG and EDG. Um, WE just very recently beat EDG in a best of five, three to two. Um, fairly surprising, similar to RNG, a team who was doing very very well in the regular season and has basically been that number two team in the LPL for what feels like the entire year. They were the second best team behind RNG in Spring Split. And in Summer Split, they were the second best team behind FPX. Um, so you know, we're going to have to see if EDG can make the loser's bracket run into finals to see if they can get some revenge on FPX. Because FPX was the ones that knocked them out in Spring Split playoffs last year. And we always know LPL is a banger. Uh, yeah, I can I catch am, up
0: on LPL. I'm very, s-
1: I'm scared of the LPL at Worlds.
0: Yeah, me too. That's the only thing that I know is that I'm afraid of them. Um, but I haven't watched enough to really have a strong opinion on who I think is going to take it. I'm not going to make any predictions for LPL. Uh, it would just be blind luck.
1: I think Fpx will win. I think they should have won in Spring, but uh, RNG played better on the day. Interesting.
0: Another one of those where you think the better team didn't win.
1: Yes. But yeah. it's it's uh, even hard to say that because like RNG like won MSI and it's like yeah they looked really really good but I also think FPX would have won. Hmm.
0: Anyways, the LPL games start on Thursday, uh, yeah. Thursday at 5 a.m. Eastern. Oh, uh, poor that, that would be 2 a.m. on the West Coast, so Pacific. Um, and then Friday, same thing, same time. Friday on August 27th, WE plays FPX and. Thursday is the EDG LNG game, so yeah. And then just to confirm, the the EU stuff and and NA stuff is the same. Saturday, Sunday, regular times there. So,
1: yeah. And uh, last up in our little international update was I don't even know if I would call it news because it's not necessarily news, but it's news to the un to the people who don't know. And I was I'm one of those people. I didn't even know that the VCS they haven't even done a summer split. Like, yep. they haven't played a regular season. They're not in playoffs right now. Like, I remember I read this Reddit thread uh, just <laughs> this afternoon. There was another Reddit thread that just came out this afternoon uh, from a guy who covers the VCS a lot. Um, well, he said this in the Reddit comments. This was the guy who made the post saying that he has a lot of inside sources in the VCS and is a guy who's been covering it for quite a while now. Basically, you know, kind of reminding people that the VCS is still a league that exists, even though they haven't yeah. been playing matches. And that he himself doesn't even know what the world's implications are going to be. Kind of hypothesized that, you know, they're not going to be playing any form of summer split slash playoffs. And I think therefore like a kind of world's qualification tournament. So the only options were to be the VCS won't attend. Or if for whatever reason they sent their number one and two seeds from the spring split. Which were Gigabyte Marines and... The new, whatever the new team name of the Fong Vu Buffalo is, because I'm pretty sure that's what the other org is, but they've changed their name like eight times since oh, like I can't help you there I, I Don't quote me on the second one, but the first one was Gigabyte Marines, and I just gotta say, a bit of, I, a bit of an I told you so, because I did go on a little bit of a rant during the MSI times um, on how the VCS has kind of screwed things up at Worlds 2020 and MSI 2020 on not because it's their fault covid restrictions are a thing and people should be Mm -hmm. following the covid protocols and whatnot but it does sort of detract from the big international main products of the game in worlds and msi and i think i think they did a good job in worlds 2020 of finding a new format on the fly that ended up i think actually working really well with the two group five team plan but at msi we really saw some like unnecessary terrible games because of the format where we saw rng just yeah. curb stomping unicorns of love and pentanet for eight games like that's way the biggest worry
0: is what is what the form what is the format going to look like i guess they'll probably just make it look like last year the idea has been floated around and i'm not saying there's any truth to it i haven't heard anything about it but there is the rumor or not, I wouldn't even call it a rumor, but people are throwing around the idea of what if North America and Europe get a fourth seed. This same thing happened last year, by the way. Well, the same rumor.
1: Okay. And well, it, I think that is the obvious answer, but I think another idea that I wouldn't even say has been floating around. But I read like when I was scrolling through the thread, I scrolled through quite a bit, and like two comments were basically saying like they should, they should hold an additional, an additional stage of worlds. Before the play-in stage, and some just like rapid fire, like you take the fourth team <laughs> from NA for the play-ins. Yes, but <laughs> no, but no, but the thing you got to take into consideration is the VCS number one seed auto goes into the main stage of groups, and the VCS number two seed goes to play-in. So, in a world where, like, let's say you take the four seed from NA, you take the four seed from EU, you take the five seed from China, and you take the five seed from Korea, put them, and you play a double round robin. Between those four teams, like for example, you're in a World's main group stage. So you have four teams in a group. Each team is going to play a total of six games. Team who finishes first from that group goes and fills that VCS one spot, which is in which is therefore in the main stage of Worlds. And whoever finishes second goes into playing stage. So you're not necessarily. I don't think they're going to do that. I don't think they're going to do that, but I want them to do that because that's way spicier than just removing two teams.
0: I wonder what it would feel like if, let's say, you allow G2 or TSM to go to Worlds. I wonder how it would feel if one of those teams ended up beating you in an important game, and how salty you would be, seeing as these teams did not qualify for Worlds. I feel like that's a problem right there. Um,
1: yeah, but that, but that's I why I, that's why I think some sort of additional stage makes more sense because it does feel like you kind of earned your spot as opposed to being given it. Because I don't think that, like... Because, I, well, I do think that the LPL and the L and the LCK are better regions than EU and NA. So I think the fifth seeds from LPL LCK should be given the chance to fight against the fourth seeds of the LCS and the LEC if they wanted to do that. In my opinion, I think the only routes to go are lose two teams or you play some sort of qualification for those remaining two seeds. I don't ever see a world, because I do think you are right in the sense that, like, You can't just give a spot to somebody. Like I feel like they have to earn it at least a little bit.
0: I'm not for that, but I guess I could I would maybe be able to be swayed. I don't feel strongly about it, but my initial thoughts are I'm not for it. I I would be against sending teams that have been eliminated to go to worlds where it's like that's part of, of winning worlds is being one of the best teams in your region and earning your spot at worlds. These teams did not do that by being fourth in their region. Where you're only supposed to have three go. So that's where... But again, maybe I could be swayed if, if with a little bit of convincing, but anyways, uh, that's besides the point. What, one last other thing. Is, is it okay if I move on to something else? Sure.
1: I said, I said sure.
0: Oh, okay. One last thing Um, that... Uh, an idea has been floated around that because Worlds will no longer be going to China this year, there's a chance that next year they try to go to China.
1: And that sucks balls.
0: And that should be the year that they're supposed to come to North America. So it looks like North America is kind of getting screwed again. And one of the the ideas being floated around on Hotline League was maybe Riot tries to make up, make it up to North America by giving us MSI. Now, I before you say your opinion on that, I just want to say, hell no, man. I don't want MSI. I I am not an MSI guy. I don't like MSI nearly as much as I like Worlds. If I found out that they gave us MSI, I would be absolutely pissed because I just want Worlds. That's what I want to go to. I don't give a shit about MSI. To me, the two, while MSI is exciting, it is just not even close to what Worlds is for me personally. That's where I fall on it. But now I want to hear your thoughts. Would you be happy or not happy if they said, well, look, we can't give you Worlds, but we'll give you MSI?
1: I think if they were to give us an extra MSI instead of maybe pushing us up the priority list. Like let's say for, and this, this is an example. I have no clue what the order is for like terms of where they hold MSI, but let's say, you know, North America is supposed to hold MSI in two years. Instead they jump us up a year, but then we're still in the same position. Like in the next rotation, I would say no, no fucking way. But like if they gave us an extra MSI, just like how they gave China an extra worlds, I would be okay with it no i don't want that
0: so mad yeah
1: well i don't obviously i don't want that i want to go to worlds in na but i would be okay with it if they gave us an extra one not just a jump up the priority list because they gave china an extra worlds and now EU is pretty much being given an extra worlds uh so we would need something extra
0: And I guess it all depends on how much you personally value MSI. For me, they could give us 20 MSIs in a row and I'll be like, fuck that. No, thank you. I want worlds. That's what I want. I want worlds in North America. I think that is something that can help grow a region. Let's be honest. It's been a long time since North America's had worlds. It was like season six. So it's like five years ago now. And it looks like we won't be getting it for at least a seven-year period if they do, in fact, next year go to China, which I still think that's their plan. My guess is... So Okay, so for people that don't know, on the 10th anniversary, which was last year's Worlds, they were supposed to do this big thing, this big 10-year uh, anniversary Worlds thing in China. COVID happened, they weren't able to deliver on it. The plan was to try to deliver on it this year. Clearly, COVID's still kicking around, and so they're like, well, damn, we can't do it this year. So maybe they're just going to keep pushing it back. My guess is they still want to g- do that really big Worlds event, but do it in China, where the re- where it is biggest. I don't blame them for that whatsoever. That I get. But eventually you got to come to North America for Worlds, and I don't want to be pushed until 2024, 2025, whatever it is. I want Worlds eventually, and no MSIs can make that up for me. That's just my personal opinion. would love to hear what you guys think about it. If you guys are listening and want to drop a comment on that, I want to know what people think about this, because... I actually have no idea what people would think on it. I know a lot of people usually listen to us and they're probably like doing the dishes or something. They can't really answer. But if you guys are able to be in the comments section, please do comment. I I would like to know what you guys think about uh, if you would be happy with them giving us an MSI or two to make up for it or how mad you would be if it took till maybe 2024 or 2025 to get another Worlds. Would be really interested to know what our listeners think.
1: Alright, um, we just have a couple of little quick news things, because not too much happening this week. Uh, first off, Larson, uh rogue midlaner, ending his contract till 2023, pretty much like two weeks after, or one week after Inspired. was announced that Inspired was doing that. Um, I don't really know how to feel about Rogue extending the contract of their players so late in the season. Hmm. Like, I don't know, like, not to say that why I think... not
0: waiting to see how he does at Worlds? Is that what you mean?
1: Yeah, like, what's the point? Yeah. I mean, I guess, like, I don't, like, maybe they were free agents at the end of 2021, and if you feel like you need to lock them up now, that's totally fine, and I totally get that. But, like, I don't know, like, it does just feel a little...
0: Yeah, it is. I honestly didn't really think about it that way, honestly. I was just like, oh, cool, they got a good player. Well, two good players, if they sign, if they re-sign both of them. Yeah. Uh, you got two good players for a long time. Uh, yeah. So yeah, uh, it just
1: it just feels so weird like this late into the season. Like, <clears throat> I agree. In playoffs too. Like, if it was at like maybe week eight or week nine, it makes it, like in playoffs though. Like,
0: yeah. yeah, yeah. The timing is a little bit weird on that. Didn't think about it, but you're right.
1: All right. Uh, next up, uh, Team Liquid won Academy Worlds. They beat out Cloud Nine in a pretty banger series. So what makes it Worlds anymore? Is it just North American? Te- like, well, because no other region in the world has Academy. Like, it, so, like it was all so it was funny. all classified as Academy, but North America is the only region that still classifies it as Academy. So they just made up this like bullshit thing two years ago. Like, oh, it's Academy Worlds because we're the only cause... org that has Academy.
0: So. You were the one that got me watching. I didn't even know it was happening. You messaged me. I was like, oh, cool. I'll watch it. And as I'm watching it, I hear Crumbs say, like, they win Academy Worlds. And a like, world? Like, that's that's a funny way of putting it. Uh, hey, they're, like, they're grasping it's at
1: straws not, here. Like it's it's not
0: wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's still a little bit misleading, though. But anyways, that was against C9. And the only thing interesting that I saw, because I only watched Game 5, was... um. Uh, top laner c9 what the hell is it? Darshan, darshan locked in tryndamere in game five and... i saw
1: dude i didn't wa i watched game three and part of game four and then i like watched the i saw the post thread match after i was like darshan locked in Trindamere in game five what the fuck's that about
0: yeah i saw the very end of game four it was actually really hype it was like a kind of a backdoor kind of now i can't really explain it but anyways hooray team liquid academy world champs question mark <laughs>
1: All right, uh, last up, after the sort of EU Worlds news dropped, Doublelift actually put out a tweet kind of as like a somewhat follow-up to his update video where he was talking about how he's gonna take a break from League and wanted to sort of find the passion to play again and not just mindlessly stream it on solo queue, or mindlessly stream in a solo queue, but with the idea of Worlds going to EU, Doublelift teased the possibility of going to EU to stream.
0: I, yeah, cool. I don't really have too many other thoughts about it. I think it's pretty sweet. Uh, I think there's a chance now. I don't know. We don't know where it is yet, but there's a chance that Double If might be able to do some content with some players and stuff like that if he's over there while Worlds is happening, especially if one of the players gets knocked out. Um, I'm sure that maybe uh, during some of his streams he could have some players on and do some interesting things, so I guess I'm just interested to see what he's got in mind, because I don't think you just go over Europe just to do solo queue, I mean, maybe that's what he's doing, I, I don't know, we'll we'll see what he has, uh, what ideas he has.
1: There's always a lot of content, and therefore money to be made, when anybody is streaming solo queue matches that involve, like, world caliber players, like, I feel like streaming from like pro players during worlds and international boot camps has been on the decline. Go back and like to, to the old days of like when Cloud Nine with like Sneaky Medios and Jensen were like actually streaming a lot and they would stream at like their international boot camps and that was always like hilarious. Like the first one they did with Rush was also super funny. But now it feels like there's a lot less streaming going on with like big time players across all regions. And I think, you know, it would just be very entertaining to watch if Doublelift was over in EU playing a solo queue match with a bunch of like insane pro players, and yeah. like he would just get a lot. Like financially, it just makes sense if that's what he wants to do and feels like he he'll, he'll have the passion to play and doesn't feel like he's just like a, it's like a mind numbing job because that's kind of how he described it was like that was his job and he wasn't enjoying it. So I feel like as long as he enjoys it, I feel like he should just go do it because he's guaranteed to make a lot of money out there with a ton of viewers.
0: I'll just also add that Medio's replied to his tweet saying let's do it. It's Medio's though, man. Trying to get a read on that guy even when you hear him talk is hard to know whether he's trolling or not, let alone Twitter. I have no idea how serious or not serious he's being cuz it's Medio's. So this
1: is just a bit of a meme at this point in the good that way. That guy
0: is a huge memer and I love him for it. Um,
1: but that's going to do it for this
0: episode. This was a fun episode. I enjoyed this lots of stuff going on this is man it's getting exciting right worlds is coming this is the exciting time of year and so uh yeah i mean i think it's normal to start to get excited now that we know who's going to worlds and the the finals are happening in all these regions the series have been really good between the hype teams like c9 tsm was great Fnatic g2 was great like it's just uh, it's such a good time to be a league fan um uh remember guys as i always try to remind you subscribe if you have not also, hit the like button and comment because that stuff seems to actually help a lot more. I mean, I knew it helped, but the comments helped us a lot this past week. We saw a good jump in our viewership. So, if you have the time, please drop a comment and like and all that stuff. You know, it helps us very much. Uh any last shout outs, JNT?
1: Um no. Go follow JNT
0: on Twitter. I don't I need shout the followers. Out in a
1: while. Honestly, well, cuz here's the deal. Like we're going to reach in a certain point in like two and a half weeks where I'm going to start like either. <laughs> yes. I'm either going to start like posting. Uh, I'm not going to say that actually. Uh, I'm going to start posting cancerous stuff on Twitter about the New York Jets if they're playing bad. And for whatever reason, if they're actually good, you'll also be seeing a bunch of cancerous stuff on that. So, uh,
0: Okay, don't follow JNT on Twitter. Unless,
1: <laughs> unless you want to get spammed. Unless um, you want to get spammed in the months of September and October.
0: Okay, we're blabbing on for quite a while here. Thanks so much for coming back every week, guys. We apologize that we can't do live shows. We will start doing them probably in a few weeks, maybe around Worlds. That's still to be determined. But we will update you on Twitter. I will tweet out when we ab- are about to go live again. But for the next couple of weeks, expect recordings. This has been episode 56 of the Clown Fiesta podcast, and we will see you guys next week.
1: Bye-bye.